I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. As you can tell, um, I'm a little worse for wear as far as the vocal department goes. Um, I would say I'll try to keep this brief, but I have a lot I really want to talk about in the intro. So you're just going to have to listen to this raspy uh, whisper of a voice. (laughs) Um, I woke up Monday morning and could feel my voice going for one reason or another. Uh, I did a lot of karaoke on Saturday, but took it pretty easy on Sunday relatively, so I'm not really sure what the direct cause is, Um, but that's beside the point. Um, I'm sure something that didn't help my voice is that last night I went to a concert with a former guest of the show, Nick Johnson, um, we actually went to see the band that he talked about in his episode, No Effects. If you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you strongly to do so, especially because I'm going to try to talk a little bit about the experience. Um, I wanted to go because Nick's a great friend of mine, because the band really means a lot to him, and because his birthday was Monday, so this was essentially his birthday celebration. And I'm really, really glad I went. I had an absolutely incredible time. Um, he talks a little bit about, in the episode, the idea of a mosh pit. Um, and I had never been to a concert where mosh pits are involved. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of, even though I'm sure it looks violent from the outside, it's essentially a lot of people running into each other and pushing each other. Um, but he told me that the rules of a mosh pit quote-unquote are if you're on the outside of it then uh, you're essentially holding your arms up in front of you kind of like if you were holding a shield with both arms and just shoving people with you know your forearms as opposed to your flat hands or fists or anything um and pushing them back into the mosh pit um so that's kind of like the battle stance of the whole thing um and that's understood that that's not a, a, a thing that's a negative. That's, that's positive. That's what everyone's there for. Um, it's to kind of feel this rush and adrenaline of this experience. Um, if someone falls down, uh, if you're the one on the floor, you throw your arms up. Uh, and if you're above that person, you do everything you can to lift them up. I probably fell six times, maybe. Um, and each time there were five or six arms ready to pull me up. Once you're on your feet, somebody slaps you on the back and you get back into the fray. Um, I think that was most, those were the the main rules. Um, it was incredibly fun. Uh, I've never touched or been touched by so many strangers in my entire life. Probably not even a combination of my entire life. That may be an exaggeration, but not much of one. Um, 
It was a lot of smells, <laughs> mostly body odor, some uh, illicit smells. Um, uh, the band, the two opening bands were meh, um, and the second one especially. Uh, but No Effects was a lot of fun. They, they're something we talked about at the show that I totally agree with now after seeing them live is that they are very aware of who they are and what they are as a band. Um, and that was a lot of fun to experience in first person. Um, and Nick afterwards was just like, doesn't it make sense that this is my favorite band? Isn't this who I should be listening to? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, so it was just a total blast. Um, at the end of the concert, uh, for the last couple songs, I started to mosh, and then I got kind of shoved towards the front of the audience. Um, so I stayed there for a little while, because I hadn't really been close to the front with, like, a great view um, for much of the concert. Not that any view was bad in particular, but that was the best view I'd had the whole time. Um, so one woman asked if I wanted to stand in front of her so I could see better, so I obliged, uh, took her up on that. And then... Right before the last song, a guy asked if I wanted to stand at the railing um, that was right in front of the stage for the last song, and I obliged and thanked both of them. Um, and that was really kind of what the whole experience was like, was just people really wanting everyone to have a great concert experience. So I'm standing at the railing and cheering a little, but honestly, most of the concert I was pretty quiet just because I didn't have much of a voice to yell with, and I didn't know any of the songs that well um so it was like fist raising and jumping and it was just a lot of fun and they wrap it up and uh the um there were bouncers standing between the railing and the stage and their main job uh, as far as I could tell was that whenever someone crowd surfed and got close enough to the front of the house that they could peel them off of the crowd and into that little no-man's land between the stage and the railing and set them on their way. That's what they had to do. So these guys were huge. Um, the One of my favorite, favorite uh, of things that I saw during the concert was um, a huge bouncer that the lead singer of NoFX had made a point to kind of call out and be like, this guy looks like CeeLo. It's awesome. Um, and the guy started grinning, and they had a little back and forth. Um, uh, once that exchange had happened, this guy crowd surfed and got peeled off the top of the crowd, um, by this huge CeeLo bouncer and he was cradling him like a child. And the guy who had been crowd surfing just had thrown his arms around the neck of a, of the bouncer and was grinning from ear to ear. And anyone who saw it couldn't help but smile and laugh. It was just so funny. Um, there's just this understanding that the bouncer is doing his job and the crowd surfer was going to crowd surf regardless and kind of wanted to be cradled by this giant man. <laughs> oh, and it was just so funny. So, concert ends. Um, lots of guitar picks are thrown into the crowd, as many bands are known to do. Um, I had asked Nick before the show if he had any picks or, um, like, drumsticks from the band, and he said no. Um, so when they were throwing them, I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could catch one or, for Nick, or if Nick could? And I saw two picks fall in that no-man's land 
before they could get to the crowd so no one from the crowd could reach them. So one of the bouncers um, went up and picked both of them up. And I was still so close to the front of the stage that I put my hand over uh, as well as the guy next to me. And our hands were the closest to the bouncers. And he placed one of the picks in my hand and one in the other guy's. And I turned around with it balled up in my fist and um, met Nick back at where we were supposed to meet up after the concert because we knew we'd get separated in the fray. And uh, I just looked at him and said, happy birthday. And I showed it to him and he started to cry. Uh, and it was just this really, really beautiful moment of, uh, of fandom and of love. And, and, and it really felt like that's what the whole concert was. Um, and it was a really cool example of um, the kinds of things that I've talked to people about on this show, about what bands and TV shows and, and, and uh, you know, all, all sorts of different things uh, have meant to people in their lives and creatively, sports and things like that. Um, and it was just this pure, pure example of all of these people who felt that incredibly strong love for this band and wanted everyone to have that experience. Um, so, sorry that was long, but I think it was worth telling. Um, my guests today, second episode ever with multiple guests, are Evan Harris and Jason Underwood, two guys that I met while I was a student at Furman University um, and collaborated with a little bit creatively. Um, and they have their own podcast that I've mentioned on here before called The Bearded Ones. So what we kind of did is a little bit of a crossover episode. Uh, the first half of this episode is them um, and their uh, podcast structure for The Bearded Ones. And then Evan turns it over to me uh, to carry out an MBSing with them um, about something that they both love, improv. I thought it would be really cool to get... Uh, um, the point of view or perspective about improv from people outside of Chicago, because I think most of the people who listen to this are Chicago um, residents. And uh, um, every, excuse me, <laughs> gross. Jesus, Mary Beth, kill yourself. Uh, uh, and obviously all the guests have been Chicago residents thus far. Um, so I thought it would just be cool to uh, kind of um, subvert the idea of them uh, being the people who actually talk about improv. Uh, subvert's probably a, a too hoity-toity a word for it, but that's what I'm going with. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I talked probably too much in the first segment, told some stories that aren't even mine, but you know what? It was fun, and that's kind of what their deal is. Please check out their other episodes. I'll link to um, after you listen to this one, especially if you enjoy it in particular. I'm not going to apologize for the length of this episode because I think it's worth it. If you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to, but I think it's great. Um, they're really, really incredibly nice guys. I'm really glad that I got to catch up with them while I was south for uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I'd really like to thank Evan for reaching out to me and setting all this up. Uh, the last story I'll tell um, before I head into this is one that I was going to tell on the podcast but forgot, and that is that in my first improv class, there was a woman who was a voice actress, was an older lady, 
and she brought a SAG notebook to take notes in, which I thought was a very pointed, specific thing that she did to make herself seem pretty important. And after I had introduced myself, she asked me if I had ever done any voiceover, and I said no. Um, and she said, well, you should. You have such a husky timber. And uh, I bring this up because Evan and Jason have on multiple occasions told me that they really like the nature of my quote-unquote radio voice, their words. Uh, and they, uh, when they've plugged my show in the past on the Bearded Ones, their podcast, um, <laughs> they've talked about how my sultry tones. Um, so I just think the whole thing is quite funny that the intro to an episode of two guys who have kind of uh, nicely ribbed me about that and joked about it uh, is me rasping out um, any sound that I can get to come out of my voice. <laughs> um, so I think you guys did this to me, Evan and Jason. Um, but you know what? It was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you and enjoy the bearded ones followed by MBSing with the bearded ones, aka Evan Harris and Jason Underwood. Thanks. Hey everybody. Hey, what's going on? This is Evan Harris. Hey, Jason Underwood. And we are the bearded ones coming to you on, uh, November 24th. 24th. No, that was not Jason you just heard. His voice didn't get all sultry and silky. (laughs) But, um, before we do tell you who that was, we just want to give a shout out and a thank you to a couple of people who have been supporting us. Uh, Stitcher. Yeah. Podbean. Podfeed. Pocket casts. <laughs> that one just sounds weird. <laughs> I'll be honest. I got ones in my pocket. Cast. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. thank you anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you're listening to this on anywhere, uh, add us to your playlist. Comment. We keep forgetting we're on iTunes too. We never mention we're on iTunes. That's all right. We are also on iTunes. So uh, rate us. Uh, iTunes sounds so weird. <laughs> what the hell is up with that name? I don't know. It's so bizarre. But it's not just the two of us. No, it is not just the two of us. And I'm so excited about this because we've been talking about this for a while because we've had some pretty cool guests on the show. We're not typically like a guest podcast, right? But we have had some pretty cool guests on the show, and today's show. It's really exciting because we're having someone on the show that has something in common with us. And I'm looking at this as kind of like... She's also a woman. <laughs> She's I'm also, also a, a woman. She also has a beard. beard. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> but, so I'm looking at this episode because she's a podcaster, yeah. which is yeah. really awesome. And I'm looking at this episode as kind of like a Marvel slash DC crossover. <laughs> yeah. Like when the Justice League and the Avengers fought. Of course uh, you would, Evan. Uh, of course. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I look at myself as Thor, God of Thunder, uh, and Jason is Ant-Man. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, was, uh, I heard Stan Lee on a podcast recently, and he said that one of the superheroes that he has not seen a movie of that he would most like to see is Ant-Man. It's coming. Uh, yeah, Edgar Wright is, is yes. making it, which we sounds awesome to me. You, it's always great when a, a character like that or whoever, whatever, it's like in, you're like, oh, he's in good hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, whatever they come up with, you're like, I feel confident it's gonna because be. Because I'm telling you, fun. of the legion of superhero fans I know, no fans are more dedicated and don't want to see their mythology ruined than Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> Those fuckers are hardcore. <laughs> They're like, what? He can't get that small. You're ruining the mythology. 
I think I hope I have this idea for the. Uh, the oh wait, 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 I'm sorry. We haven't actually introduced her yet. I realized that. Let me it. get to my Ant Man story. It was. I feel like I was the one who took it most off the rails with the no, Ant Man right. thing. I but, just really wanted to comment on Ant Man. Who doesn't want to comment on Ant Man? This is Mary Beth Smith. Mary yeah. Beth Smith, a uh, 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 producer and star, mm-hmm. I guess, of her own podcast called MBSing mm-hmm. on Podbean. We talked about her before, and now we got her in the room. And the first question is. Are you the Justice League or are you oh. the Avengers? Uh, I'd probably lean Avengers. I've always been kind of more of a Marvel guy myself. Yeah, it just seems. I feel like I know more about those characters. Yeah. I'm not really like a super into comic books person. I do. I like all the movies and things. Yeah, I sure. Like, I like all the characters, but uh, I haven't. I've read some some graphic novels, uh, but not really that. That many. <laughs> uh, but yeah, probably, probably the... Yes, that is the correct terminology, graphic yeah, novels. Yeah. Do, I, do not say comic <laughs> books. To me, that is offensive. Uh, yeah, well, I like... Uh, I'm more of an Avengers guy, too. Like, once you get, like, past the Flash on the JLA, you like... Who's Martian Manhunter? He's like, <laughs> just yeah. a green dude that can turn into other people. And, yeah. But I mean, the Flash, we talked about this before, so we're not going to retread. But what is the Flash? He's a guy that can run really fast. Mm. It's just, the Avengers seems more, ah, oh man, I don't know, I have a really good DC fan friend, uh, so I don't, I don't want to, like, diss him too much. No, no, no. Listen. But, uh, I just feel like the Avengers are more, like, creative ideas. Well, just so you know, we did bring you on this podcast to alienate you from all and your friends all and loved friends. ones. <laughs> cool, cool, Happy cool. Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. You all now hate Mary Beth. I've been working on a way to really cut myself off <laughs> and uh, into the wild it and uh, move into, into a... the wild it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god! Have you seen that movie? I know about it. I haven't seen it. You know yeah. the weird thing to me about that movie is I want to be so sympathetic with the guy through the whole time because basically, real quick rundown: it's this kind of rich, spoiled guy. Mm-hmm. It's a true story mm-hmm. who just one day decided I'm gonna go live in the woods in Alaska. Bye, everybody. Yeah. With no like outdoor experience. Yeah, no survival he experience. Real he, didn't, he didn't read a book. He didn't read it. He didn't do nothing. He probably he could have read he, like Hatchet and had a little yeah, exactly. <laughs> his, his plan was, let me hang out with Hal Holbrook, and that'll teach me everything yeah. I need to know about survival in the forest. So, it, it, spoilers, if we're into the wild, he died. For sure. From what? Like, uh, being from being too rich? cold and hungry. <laughs> Cal Holbrook killed him uh, in his sleep. <laughs> no, but he, he just wasn't prepared. It's and re- just like, I find it really hard to be sympathetic. It's just yeah. like, dude, you did this two years Everybody so. around him, his family and everything, was like, are you serious? Are you doing this? You've never even been camping. Yeah. And he's just like, no, I can do it because I want to be like one with nature and stuff. And like, he's a nice guy in the movie, but then the whole time you're like, you're a fucking idiot, dude. What are you doing? Yeah, like, he's got, like, the resources to, like... I mean, you'd think he'd, he'd, he'd go uh, roughing it, like, rich style. Yeah. Be like, all right, yeah. I'm still bring a guy. Yeah. He just I'm gets, a- like, a VW bus and yeah. some jerky or something. Like, yeah, like he doesn't really... turns away it. the money offered to him by his parents. Yeah. He's, he's trying to rough it like he saw in the movies or whatever. He's like, all right. you need is just a tan. <laughs> except, right. except the movie he watched was Grizzly Man. <laughs> that. He, he really followed that one to the, yeah. to the inevitable end. Oh, man. But, um, I, I wish hate it, the, no, go for it. I wish 
Expedition to the Wild had been uh, narrated by Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> and so and he goes into the wild. Emil Hirsch uh, gets into his van <laughs> and goes and finds that he does not know as much about wilderness as he thought. As he's walking through the woods, there's so many edible bushes. <laughs> <laughs> he's missing every single one. <laughs> and he says goodbye to Hal Holbrook, which represents the chaos of the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, as we watch this, the bitter irony of how much food there was actually around him is crippling for all the viewers. We, we are circling every single thing he could eat <laughs> on the screen. It's literally... He's in a blueberry patch. <laughs> it's like, it like the highlights magazine of movies. <laughs> he just walked over a cooler of sandwiches. <laughs> this boy. This, this Clearly he came across sandwiches. a moose in the woods who <laughs> cut his own skin off and cooked it for him. And he refused it. And that uh-huh. is not nothingness and a void. <laughs> That boy dumb. <laughs> and that's still Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah. Werner's <laughs> got a real goofy side to him. Yeah. <laughs> and then the moose was like, what, what, what? Fool. <laughs> Fool. <laughs> Moose is say that all the time. So, uh, Mary Beth, you, uh, you're living in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, member of like two or three improv teams. Up yeah. There. That's super cool. Yeah, you do stuff with the Annoyance, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. What's, uh, so are you, what teams are you on these days? Uh, so I'm on, the, my first group in the city, uh, is, or the, my first group that I, uh, got put on in the city is called Raygun Reagan. Uh, Raygun Reagan? Yeah, yeah, nice. Raygun Reagan. Uh, and so I've been on that, with that group for over two years now. And, uh, it was my first show with them was my first long form improv show ever. Oh. I was terrified. Yeah. And uh, everyone on the team had, uh, you know, more experience in Chicago than I did. But so I was super intimidated. But they were so encouraging, and my coach was great. And nice. He he didn't. No one really realizes that was my first long form show until wow. I told them like afterwards, <laughs> and they were all just like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I'm not that I did great or anything. I was ter- I didn't even like come out very much. I was really tentative. But they were just like, "I can't believe!" Like, how did you? You just jumped into you? it. Yeah. yeah so they were all cool. There was no like improv hazing God, for the new chick or something like all. that. Not at all. I I very rarely like. Well, at least with the teams that I'm on, I think that's why I really love the experiences that I'm having so yeah. much. Is that. The teams are so supportive, and, like, they're my best friends in the city. And Cool. Uh, my other improv team is called Squall, uh, and... Uh, is that, like, a, an uh, oceanographer? Like storm, yeah. A big yeah. storm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking, like, that that white Squall mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, with, uh, is that where they got the name from? With, with the oh, guy man. from Party of Five, <laughs> right? It's, uh, man, the name is really... The origination is really dumb. Uh, someone jokingly wanted to call the team Jizz Tornado. <laughs> and one of the guys on the team was so fervently against it, even though, like... Well, because that's already planned as the sequel to Sharknado. Yeah, 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 So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jizz they could use the name. <laughs> so this one guy was just like, no, I would not be on a team called that when no one was ever sincerely... No. He was just having fun, yeah. But I've right. got to see the logo for that group now. Yeah. I just, want somebody to name themselves that group just for the logo. Someone wants to do a mock-up of Jizz Tornado. <laughs> and so, because that became such a bit, everyone else was throwing out like what well, yeah i thought it'd be really cool if we called our name like uh urine storm you know? so we all just were, it was just like 
bodily fluid and, and natural, natural disaster. Natural disaster. Natural disaster. Natural disaster. But then so they found like, out Paramount's in the works for a sequel to The Perfect Storm. Like poop hurricane and, and all this. And one of the guys in the group said Blood Squall just you know, continuing the bit. Yeah. And another person was like, that's actually really badass. Yeah, um, and then yeah. someone else was just like, let's, let's just drop it and make it squall. And it was, we had struggled for so long to come up with a name yeah. that everyone was just like, yes, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that, a cool name. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes that you get team, to the wee hours of naming anything and you find like gold. That's uh, what, reminder out there, folks. Dead clown. Thank you very much. <laughs> the name of his band. It's the name of my old band in high school. Dead Cloud. Dead Cloud, yeah. yeah. It's totally metal, Well, that's bro. awesome. She's up in Chicago doing it, man. Yeah. So that's that, so cool. Because, I mean, years. I imagine it's not that easy to just kind of drop it. Did you know people in Chicago before you went? No, not really. I moved up there with a guy that I did improv with uh, at Furman, uh, you know, with Improbable Cause, which is basically how I met yeah. you guys. Um, and we were taking classes together at the Annoyance for a while, and then he dropped out of classes and uh, quit the only team he was on. So I kept doing it. You kept it. doing it, yeah. Uh, and then um, I'm in a sketch group called the Nerdlogs who like Sweet. produces my yeah, show. I, yeah, I listened to uh, some of your uh, the Nerdlogs podcast where you're the on Nerdlog there. Cast? Yeah, the Nerdlog cast? Yeah, that, yeah, That's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. That's such a cool idea. Yeah, it's been, the way that they market it is uh, the giant bomb cast crossed with comedy bang bang okay so it's like nerdy topics at the top and then but we bring in a guest uh, uh a quote-unquote guest that's just one person character yeah at oh that's second. cool that's it's a great really idea. really really fine yeah, yeah, yeah. i've never really stuff. done like podcast character work and it's, where a, it's, lot, like, it's a blast yeah, where you're just like a character the whole time mm-hmm. yeah 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 God, we this. should try that once that sounds fun it, yeah, yeah you should up. definitely give yeah, it a shot it. But yeah, I love the the story. You were uh, <laughs> where you broke into someplace, or or it was what was it? You and I think uh, uh, Ann I forget. You were then you break in somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. I think you committed a crime. It's the one where you broke into a hospital and killed people. <laughs> no, I. I I'm blanking on the I whole story. I need, like, one more piece <laughs> oh, of context. Oh, it's, you know, it's the one where there's, like, the voicemail, and, like, did Stephanie call you or something? And leave you oh, yes. Yeah. We climbed That's a what it building. Was. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And uh, this was, was on this your stories. Uh, I, I, we climbed a building um, when we had been drinking. And uh, we, well, there was like this huge scaffold on the side of the building. Right, right. And uh, we all like climbed up the scaffold. And it was me and two other guys. And it was like four or five in the morning. Nice. And uh, I was like texting Stephanie. And I, we were in this like habit of sending each other video texts. For some reason, just because it's like we weren't talking all that much, um, it was like how we kept in touch. So I was like sending her video text from like the top of a building on Lakeshore Drive, on um, like one which is like the major road uh, right next to the lake <laughs> in, in Chicago. Right. So we could like see this beautiful. By the time we got up there, is like the sun was rising. It was gorgeous. Like this is great and terrifying. Yeah. So, like, my other two buddies like climbed all the way to the top of the scaffold. And, 
uh, as while they were out there, I was like sending videos to Stephanie, like, this is terrifying, so if this is the last time I talk to you, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> and uh, then we climbed back down, and there were cops. Oh, of and, course. And yeah, uh, yeah. I had to sit in the back of a cop car. Oh, did you go to the pokey? For, uh, I didn't have, oh, we narrowly avoided it, basically. So, like, the guys got handcuffed to a fence, and I, um... Narrowly avoided it how, wink, wink? Uh, oh, hello, <laughs> young handsome officer. They were basically, like, checked our our uh, records, saw that we didn't have anything else yeah. uh, against us, and then they were like, what? there were two of them, one was like, well, I had to pull rank on my buddy over there because he wanted to take you in and write all this up. And I did not want to. It's almost like a car salesman. <laughs> he just did did he really pull rank? Because you know the car salesman was like, you know, I talked to my boss. Right, yeah. <laughs> Is that what yeah, the cop yeah. was doing? Yeah, so he was like, uh, so where do you guys live? And then he gave us a ride. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it's, it's a lot quicker to just drop you off than yeah. Yeah. write all this down. So here's yeah. a lesson for you, kids. If you need a free ride, you don't want to pay for a cab, and you're drunk, Climb break the law, yeah. <laughs> and the cops will give you a ride. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The last time I was in Chicago, not, maybe not the last time, one of the last times I was in Chicago, I got a ride from a cop. Because really? uh, I was taking a because bunch, he a liked group the of, cut of your jib. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a group of uh, my friends to uh, see a Second City show, mm-hmm. and I had a tremendous brain fart where I, we I uh, I was asking my friend uh, Katie Jones. You remember yeah, Katie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. She, I was like, how do I get to like once I get off the stop off the L? How do I get to Second City? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, first you take a uh, left, you know, and then take whatever. But she forgot to tell me first you take. Uh, or take a right. She said, take a right. But first, she forgot to tell me to take a left to oh, that one main road. Where the Brown Line Station is. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. So I just went ahead and took a right. Right, right out of there. Got, oh, no. That goes nowhere. <laughs> that goes to, hey, that goes to Chicago to once. That goes straight to up nothing. Shady Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and me and my... Uh, they actually named it Shady Town. <laughs> yeah. They knew. And like... Uh, the, like Sarah Cosmer was there. Oh, really? yeah. I know Sarah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and my uh, my sister in law who was pregnant at the time was there, <laughs> just taking them. I was like, "No, nah, come on, this is great. This is totally the way to go." And I'm like, "I don't recognize any of this shit." And <laughs> were you thinking that as you said, "Come on, let's go"? We just did you just need to be right that bad? Where you I, I looked down just, the street and you're like, "This looks dangerous." I was come like, on, pregnant lady. I was just like, "Surely it'll turn into something I recognize." <laughs> the know? funniest Not thing the is, that if you're taking a left right off you got off the stop you can like see second city yeah, from yeah. there like you would have absolutely known you're in the right place I was just, it's, it's just such a dumb move and um so we went on further instead you saw the strip club second titty yeah. which is completely different <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. a pretty ironic name because most of the strippers only have one breast that's right <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to pay for the second titty yeah, 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 that's yeah, why yeah. they're stripping right, right. But yeah, we went further and further, and I started seeing more and more cameras. Oh, oh God. And, uh, cop, gets and then uh, one of the girls was like, let's ask a cop, how do we get there? And the cop, she, they go, we're looking for Second City. And she's like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I was going to say, when the cops freaked out by just being talked to, you know, you're in a bad section of town. Excuse me, officer. What, what, what? Oh, God. <laughs> so the uh, so the nice cop gave us a ride had it, uh, right to the place. So that was good, but... Uh, Woof, it was close. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. I've been to Chicago once, and, and it was just for the day, so I didn't get to see a ton of it. But I always said, like, I'm not a city guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was in New York for a summer, and a great place to visit. I could never live in New York. Ever. I don't think I could. But I either. always thought, like, if I were to live in a city, just based on being there for a day, which doesn't <laughs> tell you much at all, it would be Chicago. Sure. Super, super livable, because it's a big city, but once you, you know, once you get out of the loop, 
all the neighborhoods are just feel like neighborhoods. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like I live in I've lived in the bottom floor of a duplex for all three years that I've lived there, and it's just like I have a nice apartment at like a livable rate. Yeah, you know, like and like New the York city itself like, doesn't seem so cramped. Like it really you don't doesn't. feel so claustrophobic. Yeah. Sure. My uh, the guy that sang for Dead Cloud, <laughs> he um, he lives in Chicago now. Oh, is that oh, Jay? Yeah, that's Jay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, told yeah, me yeah, yeah. They, have a friend they had a sketch group, but I don't think they do it anymore. But yeah, it's he's called up there. Dead Clowning. <laughs> <laughs> That's dumb. That's stupid dumb. That's why I laughed. So um, now knowing that you are a performer, mm-hmm. that you've been performing for years mm-hmm. in improv and theater, because you did look just straight plays at yeah. Furman and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, I always have to ask when we get a performer of any kind on the show, do you have a theater horror story? Do you have improv, plays, whatever, where something just went horribly wrong? Sure. I I can't think of any of those, like, really, really horrendous things. Yeah. But recently, uh, I was just telling my friend Laura Ann this story yesterday, and she got a kick out of it. I'm Go very it, embarrassed by it, um, and I did not even tell the group that I was performing with that it happened. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so here's a good... All right. So this will be a lot of their first times hearing this. Um... <laughs> So we're getting ready for We're about to get you fired. We're getting right? ready for I don't think so. It wasn't that bad. It's just embarrassing for me. It's, on, yeah. it's just on her. Yeah, on yeah, her. yeah. It's just embarrassing for me. So I was getting... Uh, so my sketch group, The Nerdalogs, had a show running on Friday nights at this theater where we were in the, like, what's essentially the studio theater, and in the main stage is this show called um, Bye Bye Liver. Okay. So it's like a drinking play. Cool. So the people who come to it are people who would get a kick out of that. So they get a lot of, like, bachelorette parties and, like, bros and things like that. You know? So it's, like, it's very, very successful, and the theater makes a lot of money off of it. And because of that, nerds like us get to put up shows in the other theater. So, like, we never really bash it too much because, like, it's still, you know, it's still theater. They're still, you know, creating this fun thing that people watch, but just totally different groups of people. Yeah. So sure. I was trying to get into the bathroom, and uh, their show was about to start as well. Like my show was about to start. I'm in costume. I'm dressed as Amelia Earhart. Cool. Uh, and uh, you, as you are, as you do for nerdy things. <laughs> so I'm dressed as Amelia Earhart. I'm in the bathroom. I have to be so bad. All the women in front of me are like, "Oh my god, this was such a fun idea! <laughs> I'm so glad we did this!" Yeah. Like you know, just like very like chitty chatty, like <laughs> bachelorette party types. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And this woman uh, cuts in front of me. And I'm just like, really? Is that a thing that people still do? (laughs) So she, like, cuts in front of me and goes... Middle school still? Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly how it felt. So she, like, goes in front of me, and there's only two stalls. I'm just like, man, okay, all right. (laughs) You're too nice. Yeah, so she comes out of the bathroom, and she's like... That sea is gross, so I'd recommend hovering. Oh! (laughs) So I'm already just like, ugh, whatever. So I get into the bathroom... You wouldn't know this uh, if you don't know me, but I'm a very short woman. So hovering <laughs> is not easy because my legs are just very short. Right. So I'm trying to hover, and the seat is very, very wet. Like, it looks like a man came in and just, like, peed all over oh, the seat. Oh, God. Just went for so the seat. And it's I should have, like, I was in a hurry. Our show's about to start. So I should have, like, 
taken a bunch of toilet paper and wiped it or like put it on the seat. And I was just like, all right, well, that dumb lady who cut me told me to hover. So I guess I'll do that. So I hover and I pee and I, and I stand up and my pants up. Yeah. And I had peed on the back of my oh, leg. No. Like, my whole back of my left leg was like from my knee down to my ankle. Uh, and I was wearing khakis. Oh, God. Which was just wet with my own pants. And I was mortified. I just looked down. It's so obvious. It's not like I stepped in a puddle yeah, or anything. Yeah. It's so obvious and so specific from my knee to my ankle, just drenched with my own piss. Luckily, it wasn't, like, in the crotchal area. Well, that's good. You know? It's right. not like I peed myself with my pants on. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, So, like, but because, like, I'm so short, I couldn't really get to where... Was. <laughs> and just yeah. so you guys know, it's pretty pretty hard to, like, accurately predict where that stream's gonna go. I don't yeah. know. I've got a pretty good trajectory. Right, that's yeah. Just, that's just But that's... Me. I've got different equipment. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a... It's a so, it had, like, mystery. shot underneath the lid of the toilet... I peed on the back of my leg. I'm just like, well, I have, I don't have, I have, like, the only pants that I had with me were, like, green or something like that. Like, they would have been so stupid. I didn't really have time to, like, change into another costume. Right. I like, get out of the bathroom. Because you're in your, yeah, you're Luckily, in your Amelia uh, right, Earhart. Right. I yeah. had to be Amelia Earhart. Luckily, there's no one else in the bathroom when I got out because, like, all these, all the people from the other show had left already. So I'm, like, grabbing paper towels, like, soaking up my oh, own pee pee. <laughs> but you hadn't pulled oh, your pants up yet, though. Oh, no, I had. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you knew, like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, my pants are up, soaking up my own pee pee off my pants. <laughs> and, like, throwing away paper towels and soaking up again. And I'm, like, shaking the pants legs and trying to, like, dry it out. So I'm, like, well, this will have to do. And I wash my hands and go into the theater. And the whole so I'm, like... Uh, I started in the audience at the top of the show. Oh, like God. when I say I had no time, I had no, I yeah. basically like came in, sat down, and we started you, yeah, the show. You got to be there before the show starts, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like sitting, and I'm just like kind of glancing down at my leg to see if you can tell there's pee pee. <laughs> What's it look like? How's it look? Oh gosh, it's still the same. It's still, still pee pee. <laughs> yes, yeah, still pee pee. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have to wear those pants for the whole show. Like two go. or three scenes in, I changed into a pair of like dress. You know, pants. All you got to do is justify it by like I'm Amelia Earhart while the plane was crashing yeah yeah so and she completely lost scared. control yeah, of yeah. her bladder so to anyone in the nerdologs you're welcome for that story <laughs> that i did not admit to anyone because enough time had to pass before i could talk about but it without know, being but, mortified but you know what's cool is you went with it <laughs> yeah you weren't like i'm not performing tonight because i got pee There's leg no way, man. i'm going yeah you're, not, you're not stopping me you Little pissing are, will stop me you are a professional um, yes per- so time, i can't pee in the toilet but i'm a professional <laughs> i heard a story about helen mirren <laughs> yeah. She pissed herself every single day of a shoot accidentally. And she went in every single day. Well, look, she filmed Red Part 2. Pee pee in her pants every day. Look, I am a huge fan of John Gilgood and Inside the Actor Studio. And Ooh. everyone, John Gilgood. Sir John Gilgood, Jason. I got no idea who that is. Oh. <laughs> Well, I know who John Gilgood is. Celebrated English stage actor. John, what is he? Gilgood. Why would, how would I know who he yeah, is? Uh, he's he, been in movies. When did he die? 
A couple of years okay. ago. Oh, okay. He's dead. <laughs> no, maybe he's alive. But um, anyway, you know, the most famous John Gielgud story is how uh, he was playing Julius Caesar, and as all his compatriots were stabbing him uh, when he turned to say, et tu brute, just before the famous et tu brute line came out, he shat himself right no there way. on stage in front of everybody. But no he just way. kept going. You think, we would, you think we would have heard this story about this guy? Such a we bullshit st- story. We still have, we still have no <laughs> it didn't idea. really happen. I know, I know, I know. I just love how how niche the, the actor that you chose to make up a story about. Like, I that's know. I, I thought everybody knew who John Gilgood was. Yep. There's tons of. Old Pretty sure he was in Elizabeth. Oh, I didn't see that. You could have said John Barrymore. You could have said... Uh, All right, fine. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen both shat themselves at different points during Waiting for Godot and soldiered on. Yes. I, I like I both would. stories. I like both Thank stories. You. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you guys seen that uh, video of... Um, it's uh, Patrick Stewart, and he's he's high, and he's giving acting lessons to no. his girlfriend no. or something. Oh, I've got to check that out. It's uh, it's really funny. He's like just hanging out like on vacation or whatever on a bed with his wife, and um, he's just like, all right, yeah, I'm, don't forgive the accent. <laughs> this is not anywhere. as we have learned no, many no, no, times no. on this just, podcast. Uh... Jason Underwood is the master of accents. <laughs> Although last Patrick po- Stewart is about to change regional <laughs> births completely in the course of this next five seconds. Although in a previous podcast, we're like, let's just try accents and voices, and who cares if they're bad? So right. I'm going to try. So here's but Jason. Um, Everybody, just take a pause. You are about to hear the Patrick Stewart. So it's like. Um, all right, now here we're going to go. We're going to tell, um, I'm going to show you how to do a quadruple take. All right, now there's the, there's the single take where you look and you're back. And there's, there's the double take where you look, look, and then you're back. And then here's the triple take. It's very hard. Very hard. You look, you look, and then you look again. <laughs> and then he goes and he just does more and he goes to all the way to quadruple and it's just really funny. You know, that, is this this is real? Real? No, it's was real. he like younger? No, this it's is like I just heard about it. Stoned like seventy like year old or something. <laughs> How old is he? Oh god, he's got to be right? in his late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's up still looking pretty good. Badass. And and let he me tell you, just great. based on that voice, that reminds me. Uh, uh, it reminded me of my favorite quote from Star Trek movies was in uh, uh, Star Trek Final uh, First Contact. When he has that great line, uh, the line must be drawn in. I got not. <laughs> I don't know you could do Patrick Stewart also. I, I yeah, can. You I really can. Oh, welcome to my mansion, Wolverine. Very bad. Um, I'm curious, do you do any accents or voices or impersonations? I actually, uh, in the same Nerdalog show, played Jane Goodall as nice. well. And she's British. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, but. This was an alternate universe Jane Goodall. Nice. Oh, like Bizarro Jane so, Goodall. Yeah, yeah, like Bizarro Jane Goodall. And Bizarro Jane Me Goodall. Me love monkeys. I, uh, that was Bizarro Jane Goodall. Cut, like, that's not far from what the concept <laughs> was, honestly. She hosted her own uh, talk show called The Jane Goodall Show. And, like, at the end of the monologue before we went to commercial, my hype girl, Coco, would go, <laughs> all right, who's good, y'all? And the audience would go, Jane Goodall. <laughs> it was awesome. So I would come out and my first monologue joke was like, man, crazy week in the news. Am I right? (laughs) Did you see this, Coco? Researchers in England have found that people who eat at least one banana a day are significantly happier with their sex lives. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you all, but my boys in the Chimp Champ band found this news very appealing. <laughs> hey, yo! Uh, 
like, so it was all just like a combination of the game of the scene was that it was a combination of like very stereotypical bad yeah. dialogue jokes, yeah. and then after the jokes, uh, and I would just be like, but seriously, folks. <laughs> Discovering the eating habits of the majestic <laughs> chimps of Gombe is the best way that we've learned to empathize with our closest genetic relatives. <laughs> oh, all right, speaking of eating, like, just back and forth. So, like, a terrible pun and then just, like, real, just serious. Yeah. Like, that's for, for real. Exactly. But there's a lot of humor in that because it's so true. I mean, not, not necessarily on the talk shows and stuff, but we all know the old joke about newscasters where they'll be talking about, you know, right. the typhoon where thousands of people died. Uh, yeah. And then be like, oh, and by the way, here's a squirrel water skiing exactly you know? exactly yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was it was, it was this, such uh, a fun bit that and i really enjoyed like playing around with that character a lot there's this great uh, unaired uh clip uh of casey Kasem that i've heard a couple of times i think they play it on the kevin and bean show just for fun sometimes where uh they were just playing like a really upbeat number like an upbeat song and then he comes back and he was recording it wasn't live he was recording it for playback later and he's supposed to talk about somebody's dog dying and he flips his shit he's just like why do I gotta sit here and come out of an upbeat number and try to talk about some kids dying let me tell you about it he just goes off it's a great clip but I mean it shows you this like universally hailed this really nice cool guy was just like this is bullshit, man. I can't do this. Yeah, that's messed up. It did like make him trying to do that. Yeah, it's Casey Kasem. He's like radio royalty, basically. Yeah, I don't really li- never really listen to him much, but everyone tells me that he was cool. <laughs> he did. Didn't he do like the top forty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he did yeah. the top forty. I think right? I used to listen to that a little bit when I was younger. I think he passed on now. Didn't he pass away? I believe he did. Yeah. I think yeah. so too. But um, but yeah, all those like. And like all like the kid show hosts, you uh-huh. know, like they're like they all, yeah, they all gotta like freak out at some point. I mean, yeah. oh, absolutely, you're not absolutely. nice all the time. No one's nice. Everybody's all the time. human. You got your limits. Yeah. What's but. the really popular? There's like a clip of someone going nuts. I can't remember who it was. It was like, oh no, this is the worst. You talking about Bill O'Reilly? No. Oh, that was a good one, though. When he lost it, oh my god, he loses it in what? that clip. Have you uh, seen that one? Uh-uh. I think it was before he had the O'Reilly factor. It was back when he was still, god, what was the, like, cheesy, like, uh, oh, PM, oh, like, yeah, show yeah. where it was um, all about celebrities and stuff, or, uh, I can't remember, but he, there's a clip online, check it out on YouTube, right. of Bill O'Reilly between takes, just screaming. But that doesn't surprise me That doesn't all. surprise no, me at I just all. remembered who mine was, and it was Billy Joel. Oh, uh, yeah. Billy Joel he, exactly like, flipped out, he, like, flipped out on people, uh, some crowd at a, at a concert. I can't even remember what it started. Is that the it. one where he, like, threw his piano at the audience? Yeah, he, what? he just, like, <laughs> He turned into the Hulk, dude. He picked that piano up over his head. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, then he shed to... his pants. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with, John with, uh, Gilgood was on sax. Yeah. John Gilgood. <laughs> Such a made but up Go name. out of this apartment and ask anyone. They will know who John no Gilgood is. No one's going to no know. No one's going to know who that is. She... Hey, everybody listen to this podcast. Comment if you know who John Gilgood was. I was about to say the same thing. Can you name three of his movies? Yes. He just Prospero's had... books. I'm okay. pretty sure he was in uh, Elizabeth at one point. Yes, it is. Not a movie. It's Not a movie all. version of The Tempest. They called it Prospero's Books? Yeah, because it's... Who greenlit that shit? <laughs> Call it The Tempest. More more people will see it. Did you guys see that Helen Mirren Tempest? Yeah. No, but yeah, I heard it was I good. Did. 
how was it? It's it was pretty good. good. It's pretty I, good. I wanted to see it, and then like when it actually came out in theaters, cause I feel like it got a lot of hype leading up to it. And then when it actually came out, I didn't hear shit about. Nobody it. Nobody goes to see Shakespeare in the movie theaters. Yeah, it's hard enough true. to get people to go see it. I didn't see uh, Much Ado either. The, I didn't see that one. Um, the uh, what's his face one. Yeah, the one was that just came out. Joss oh, Whedon? Joss Whedon, yeah. yeah. Joss Whedon did much to do about oh, nothing recently. I thought that was like an internet thing. That was like a no, movie. No, no, it was a real release, movie. Yeah. But like he just apparently got a bunch of his buddies together and said, hey, remember oh, these the lines from Much Ado About yeah, Nothing? Yeah. And then let's, let's Nathan, film it in my house. Nathan Fillion. Yeah, the guy that plays uh, Agent Coulson on the Avengers. Oh, Clark and, uh, Gregg? Clark, yeah, he's in it. I know who Clark Gregg is, but I don't know who John Gilgood is. John Gilgood. Well, you know in the scene in the Avengers when Clark Gregg got stabbed, he shat himself. (laughs) (laughs) But they kept that in the movie. You can just barely tell, but the look on its face. It's like, ooh. We're going to have to CGI out all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's okay, though, because we're always doing... we already doing some weird shit with Loki's staff. <laughs> we can just... We can just once we do the staff thing, we just take the poop out. Who get all the people that are working on the staff to work on your poop? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, stop working on that Hulk transformation for oh, a second. We got, uh, we got somebody that shat himself on set. <laughs> I heard that. an incredible Clark Gregg story. Uh, he understudied for um, someone on, uh, when they did A Few Good Men on Broadway, Mm -hmm. it predated the uh, film version. Okay. Um, And uh, he played the, I think he played the Kevin Bacon role. Okay. Was like his first role. Yeah. And, uh, but he was understudied for the lead. And the lead, like, the day of the show got bitten by a dog. And had to, like, go to the hospital and get, like, rabies shots and shit like that. And when he showed up at the theater, um, and it was like in the first couple weeks of the run of the play, so he didn't even know the play very well yet. Oh my god! They were like, "You have to go on," and he was like, "What? What? What? What?" (laughs) So he like got into costume and like started to look over his lines for the first act. He didn't even really know it. He didn't really think he was gonna have to do it. Yeah. And they, it was like he said, it was like what you imagine it was like the actor's nightmare yeah. of like Legit. being shoved out on stage <laughs> and being like uh you know stumbling through lines like uh oh also uh, uh before the show you know as he's about to go on stage they announce like uh the lead <laughs> blah blah will be played by Clark Gregg and he could hear the <laughs> audience going what? <laughs> Boo! And he had, and so he's just like, you know, shitting himself with like just terror. So he gets through the first act, he comes off stage, and they're all like, "Great job, man! Great job! Like, keep it up! Uh, you're doing fine!" Like, mean, like, but literally, people have been pushing him out on stage when he needed to go out. He yeah. He's no been idea. fumbling through lines. He said he was saying some of his own character's lines. <laughs> like, it was just awful. So, just a total nightmare. And then, so, he, in the second act, it's all courtroom scenes. So, it was easier because he'd be like, well, let me prepare my notes. Yeah. You know, yeah. so he could have, like, pages from the script. So, once he got through the first act, he was like, okay, all downhill from here. So he gets off stage, everyone's just like, after the show, and he said he feels like the audience pretty much could tell yeah. that he 
was like totally thrown into this. So they kind of got into it. Because like, every Whoa. one of his lines in the first act was just, I object! Be bad. <laughs> we're in the military. Yeah. Like, so he gets off stage. Everyone so in the cast... So you're saying they were like kind of more on his side eventually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So instead of being like, what the fuck is this? You're kind of like, oh, wow. We're watching a potential train wreck. <laughs> so he gets off stage and the cast and crew is just like, oh my God, we can't believe you pulled that off. Like, crazy so he's just like on top of the world adrenaline just rushing through his body um they like uh i've had a break and then had to do another show that night oh god i know i know but apparently like the guy had enough time to like recover and it was going to come back and he only had to do his role in the next show oh that's good so in the so like before the second show he's like in his dressing room that someone in the cast ordered him like a giant piece of chocolate cake and he just like eats cake and lies (laughs) down on his couch in his dressing room and is just like breathing and just like trying to recover and, <laughs> and the stage manager knocks on the door and they're like he got bitten by another dog we're not sure how it happened he's just been hanging out backstage the i whole say time. like n- like close enough oh, the no. stage manager knocks on his door and is like where the fuck are you you have to be on stage <gasps> as his actual character he had just passed the fuck out because it was so like oh as his character oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so he missed his entrance as the character yes. he was supposed to yes. actually be playing yes so he was not in costume. He stumbles on stage in like jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. He's like wiping sleep from his eyes. I mean, like he. I heard this whole story from his mouth on a podcast. So it's like if if he's making it up, then that's really shitty. Like this yeah. is straight from this dude. He stumbled on the stage, like wiping sleep from his eyes, missed his entrance, and the guy who he just understudied for is back, like eyeing him down, just like. Where the fuck have you been? And he just like gets through that first scene and comes off stage. And so he like never really got to be like live in the triumph of pulling it off because he so shit the bed for the next show. I was just like, that's one of the best theater stories I've ever heard. I cannot imagine, especially like in a venue like that, Broadway. Yeah, on Broadway. An Aaron Sorkin play, like it's it's crazy. Crazy. Although, like, stop me if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I heard a pretty good Kevin Spacey, like, fuck up on Broadway story. His first show mm-hmm. was uh, uh, Lost in Yonkers, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how it was a Sunday matinee, you know, all the gray hairs in the audience, and they have those hearing aids. Mm-hmm. And he said one of them in the front row was malfunctioning and causing the PA system in the theater to just go, Mee! Oh, the whole time and he's doing his lines and he's doing fine but in the back of his mind he can't All not he can focus on this is, sound yeah. oh, and he God. goes eventually somebody fixed it and the sound just and as soon as it stopped he said he, he forgot up. where he was oh, no. he forgot what his lines were he forgot what play he was in he didn't oh, know what he was no. doing where he was going who he was talking to oh, and then he just no. said he stood there for a second and looked at the other guy on stage with him and just goes help me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was his like. I don't know if it was the first show, but it was definitely his Broadway debut. Oh right, my right, and God. it was just like, and the guy was like, "What do you want me to do?" I mean, they weren't even like trying to be in the yeah, moment. Man. He was just like, "I can't remember anything." Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, if pee pee on my leg is my worst story yeah. that I could think of. Yeah, I've got I, worse stories than pee pee on my leg. I got pee pee on my leg right now. We are starting to wind down a little bit to the end of the Bearded One segment of this show. But before we did, I wanted to run what I thought was a very appropriate uh, Thanksgiving story by you guys. 
and see what your impressions of it are. Because I thought this was really interesting from a... Uh, it kind of reminded me like of an old episode of South Park combined with a horror movie, if I can pull it up on my freaking computer. Caesar, so this is a Thanksgiving story? It is a Thanksgiving story, yeah. Sort of. Uh, the headline of the story is... Is NYC for the birds? Wild turkeys spur attention. Don't you just love that, too? As a paid uh, professional it. journalist. Is NYC for, for the, the birds? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Say wild in New York City, and a few might fill in these blanks. A flock of feral turkeys causing a flap in a city that defines ur- urbanity. Yet a population of roving turkeys on Staten Island has become a mess. Weird. Making traffic stopping scourge to some restaurants... Uh, some residents, some restaurants, what am I thinking? An impromptu natural attraction to others and a fraught project for government officials. Since dozens of the turkeys were rounded up and killed this summer, the bird's future has become a topic as heated as a Thanksgiving meat thermometer. Oh, Wah-wah. boy. What is this on? <laughs> Who wrote this? This is some like weird news website or something. Okay. We don't want to kill them. We just want them to leave us alone, says Barbara Lang, who watched as at least 50 turkeys converged outside her house oh around God. sundown one She's... recent evening with a chorus of honks. She's own... like crying in her house. <laughs> serious. I just want them to leave She's... me alone. Like the reporters couldn't get to her house. She's on the phone. They won't leave me alone. She's like calling her best friend and she's like, what do I want to do? You gotta shoot him in the head. Oh, uh, poor see. lady. The turkeys milled on the grass, flew up like cartoon ghosts into a large maple tree. Who wrote settled, this for I real? No, getting crazy. And settled in for the night. It's a sight that charms onlookers and sometimes residents when the turkeys aren't fouling yards with droppings, devouring gardens, waking up residents with raucous pre-dawn mating sessions, and utterly disregarding <laughs> dogs and other supposed deterrents. <laughs> Quote, they really are a beautiful bird, but they ruined our property, says Lang's sister and next-door neighbor Mary Jane Froze. After decades of effort to halt the decline of the symbolically American birds, experts say the nation's wild turkey population has rebounded from 300,000 in the early 1950s to an estimated 7 million Jesus! The forest-dwelling gobbler has adapted to settings as populated as lower Manhattan, where a turkey nicknamed Zelda hangs out. Okay. They've been accused of attacking residents <laughs> Who nicknamed Brooklyn, a turkey? How did a turkey get, nick- get a nickname? You can't tell turkeys apart. <laughs> sure you can. She has Zelda. a triforce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her, Zelda's the one that looks feathers. like an elf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zelda's, big old Zelda's the one that constantly saves her girlfriend, and then the girlfriend gets kidnapped all Got over again. Green cloak and a sword. Uh, turkey gripes have led to one arrest. A resident who set off fireworks to try to disperse them from his block in That's 2007. Funny. And schemes such as coating turkey eggs with vegetable oil in hopes of preventing embryos from developing. And for a disease, what? it didn't work. <laughs> I don't know what? What, what is it? Oh, you're going to cover these eggs with a bunch of oil <laughs> see if they can, uh, they can still get made inside the egg. <laughs> and the turkeys are like, oh yeah, they gave us our own oil. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. That is so bizarre. Yeah, and apparently the rest of the story goes on to say that in their last resorts, they they got some up and, and killed them and hoped to have them ready for Thanksgiving. But they had to also like check the bodies for chemicals to make sure that the turkeys, you know, hadn't been eating anything right. that humans wouldn't want to ingest themselves. But just that image of like looking out your window at turkeys. dusk and there are just fifty turkeys standing yeah. in your yard. That's ridiculous. That is an episode of South Park and Night of the Living Dead combined. Yeah, into I mean one it's thing. like the birds boat with the whole bunch of turkeys. It's, it's like, like that. Scarier. 
That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I just can't imagine. Especially, like, living in a city. Yeah. yeah. Not a city like New York, where they Walking probably never the see wild animals. Yeah. I mean, or a state like New York, where, I mean, there are urban areas around there. There are rural yeah. areas around there. Yeah, rural, yeah. Just looking out your windows and 50 fucking turkeys, just like... Mm. I can't imagine seeing 50 of anything no like, i get a little unsettled when i see like flocks of birds in general just in the air migrating <laughs> well, since you're so small they could pick yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah 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 <laughs> they, i actually have my biggest irrational fear is that um <laughs> being carried away by ants <laughs> like as hands down my biggest irrational what? fear what like in a bugs bunny cartoon <laughs> yeah, like, like i am part of their ant picnic <laughs> you never pick i was gonna say you never picnic do you yeah it's just like i read animorphs books a lot as a kid and animorphs in, okay uh, animorphs. In, oh. in the animorphs book series um they have they morph into ants in one of the books because they're trying to get into somewhere where they just want to be able to crawl in. Sure, sure. And uh, they, you it's do. like, man, this is so nerdy. Um, so uh, <laughs> they they find out that they can't control the minds of ants very well because they're so small. Like that's uh, when they're in morphs. Uh, <laughs> they're in morphs. I've, seen, I've read the books. You don't have to tell okay, me. I read the books. You have. Okay. I don't spoil the ending because we got a lot of people on here who are going to be uh, reading those books. R.I.P. Rachel. Whoa. Uh, so um, when they're in a morph, they have to try to control the mind of right, the animal of that they morphed into. So they're trying to control the mind of the ant, and they can't because it's just too small and too like determined, which made me so scared of ants are just like this they have a one track mind they don't do a, what they want to do is this a past tense irrational fear or are you still oh, just no. like I don't want ants when I I would say nothing makes me more uneasy than seeing like an anthill just crawling with ants like just like you know when it looks like yeah. the whole anthill is like moving, moving yeah. that shit like I'm not gonna like cry and scream and run away I'm just <laughs> going to feel very unsettled yeah. look and it sounds silly now but one day when we all hear about Mary Beth oh, Smith getting no. carried into a cave <laughs> by a bunch of like mutated ants we're gonna You're be like so you're like, she knew. She knew it. So you're afraid, like you'll be, you'll just wake up. Your head's still on a pillow. You'll still be under a blanket, <laughs> but you're just like slowly moving, moving through the woods. <laughs> I guess so. I don't even know. That's the thing. Is like that's why it's so irrational. It's like this will literally never happen to me. Yeah. But just the I'll idea. Never say never. Oh. Just <laughs> you're making it worse. You're making it worse. Uh, then it's just like the idea that it could happen. Because ants can pick, like, what, 20 times their own Something weight? Something like that. And there's a shit ton of ants. Like, yeah. some, one of my friends was recently in uh, South America, and he took an Instagram video <laughs> of a bunch of, I'm not kidding, a bunch of ants, like, carrying big chunks of, like, leaves back to their nest. <laughs> so it's just, like, this line of the biggest, you know, like, yeah, dime-sized ants. Yeah. To be with, fair, like, that's still slightly different than a writhing, full-grown person. Listen, but I'm like huge. a leaf. <laughs> I'm like a leaf. <laughs> I'm like a leaf. But it's, like, 20 times their body size. Did you see all the ants? With the, the little, and I, I commented on it. It was like, this is literally my worst nightmare. Like, I do, I can't, I can't. Oh, so I guess you've never seen the movie Them, nope. back from the fifties, about uh, the giant radioactive ants. No, because fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is about as good a statement to end the episode on <laughs> as ever. So, Jason, what is going on in the Greenville Theater community right now? Oh, I think everything you want to know is on uh, Upstate Go on Stage. Go to Upstate on Stage. Yeah, check it out. We got a lot of holiday shows opening. Greenville Little Theater 
Center Stage, South Carolina Children's Theater, Warehouse Theater, Cafe, and then some tons of improv going on as well. Jason's in Alchemy and Laughingstock. Oh, uh, Wofford Jones is going to be uh, uh, doing Local Legends next week. No way! Wofford's doing Local Legends? Yeah. What, what kind of stories is he going to tell? Uh, the story about his hangnail? <laughs> Nah, zing. <laughs> zing off. He's got, no, he'll have good stuff. No, Wofford's stories. like really the nicest guy ever. We just yeah, like yeah. to give him shit for no good reason. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know why we do. We just do. Well, it's I fine. do. It's I do. So yeah. that's awesome. So yeah, I'm also in Laughingstock and Distracted Globe. Mary Beth, one more shout out for your improv groups. Uh, Ray Gun Reagan. We have shows every Wednesday at 8 in Chicago. In Chicago. Uh, just the whole city of yep, Chicago. Yep, yep. No specific in place. Chicago, uh, set called the One Group Minor Theater uh, in Chicago. It's on Sheffield and Newport. The awesome. Corner. Uh, Squall, the the playground, the dash playground dot com, uh, and then Squall has our own like team page awesome. on that site, and then the Nerdlogs. We actually have. Uh, I'm trying. And this won't go up before then. We, we, the <laughs> no, Nerdlogs. Yeah. I have, guarantee you won't. <laughs> uh, uh, the Nerdlogs have. Um, we're doing a show at Chicago Sketch Fest in January. Awesome. This, this, yeah, oh, yeah. So that that's, that's really probably cool. like our next big project coming up. Um, that I'm so we just uh, hammered out like what the general structure is going to be, and we're all so excited. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you guys off, Mike. Yeah, uh, but I don't. Do. I don't want to release anything no, no, about no. it. Uh, no uh, improv beforehand. spoilers here. Yeah, but cool. I think the concept of that you guys would really, really dig. Oh, I can't wait to hear yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, well, thanks for doing this, Mary Beth. And now we're gonna really get into like the territory that we've never done before. We're going to go ahead and finish our podcast the way we traditionally do. Then we're going to hand the reins over to Mary Beth Smith to take the lead and give you an episode of MBSing in the same episode. It's two for one, people, and they're always free, so I guess you're not getting a deal per se, but it's still awesome. It's more things for free. (laughs) Exactly. More more free. So thanks for listening to The Bearded Ones, and as always, yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. Cool. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, um, my podcast is called MBSing. Um, basically, uh, we'll just talk about, uh, we've uh, decided that uh, my guests, my guests now, yeah. Jason Underwood and Evan Harris Thank are going to talk to me about uh, improv. Yeah. Because uh, I thought it would be cool to get uh uh, the vantage point of some guys doing improv down here in the South, dirty South improv, South Carolina. Um, so I met you guys uh, via improv. Basically, I was on um, uh, Furman University's improv team, Improvable Cause. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I think that's how I first met you. I, mm-hmm. I just went to one of those shows. I and think I, so uh, too. Yeah, I can't. I know. I definitely met you before I knew Evan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we met <laughs> via. Laughingstock, I think. Via Laughingstock, I think you guys came to do... We had a night where we did, like, three improv yes. groups. Yes. Improvapalooza. Like, Improvapalooza, yeah. And it was Laughingstock, uh, Improbable Cause, and was Mock Turtle, Turtle Soup. Turtle Soup uh, the year that we did it, it was, was Distracted, Distracted Globe. Globe. Oh, Distracted yes, okay. Globe. Yeah. I think there was another year that Mock Turtle Soup and you guys and Distracted Globe did Right. 
Or okay. Last yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's did. true. We did it two years in a row, and it was a really cool concept where each group would have their thirty minutes, and then in the second half of the show, all the groups sort of converge and Mash play up. games together, was which was really cool because we're playing with game games with people we'd never even rehearsed with yeah. before. Yeah. yeah, it was really neat. I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and that space is just great. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much energy in that mm-hmm. in that theater, and the yeah. shows usually for us go really well there. Because For it's sure. a big audience that's there to laugh and just yeah. it's a great experience. Yeah, it's uh, so. Um, I, I I mean, this kind of stuff will definitely continue to be present, I'm sure. But I would love uh, for you guys to talk about what your. Uh, what the inception of your like love for improv was like? How did you get each of you get into improv? Well, I definitely think Jason would want to start with this one because he's got a little bit more experience than I do, and also is more of like an improv and comedy geek than I am. Actually, <laughs> you are. I guess so. Yeah. Well, I started uh, started in Clemson with uh, Mock Turtle Soup. I was like part of the first year of uh, of Mock Turtle Soup. I don't know if I realize that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. My. Uh, I didn't know anybody on the, te- on the team. I just and, and I was like, I knew what improv was, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that'd be so cool to do sometime, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then I saw like a flyer, and, and so my people that I had no idea who they were, they started a group, and um, and uh, and I, the only reason I like was on the team is because I didn't quit immediately, you know. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> the, the group was like really big. It Anything was, like, you 20 can get people. by default, you're still getting it. <laughs> <laughs> So the group was like real big and like eventually half the people kind of was like, I'd rather do other things. <clears throat> and I stuck around and, uh, and, um, it was, uh, yeah. So, uh, from like the very beginning, I was like, man, this is just something I really love. You know, this is mm-hmm. so fun, so much fun. And I, uh, <laughs> was it mostly short form or entirely short form? Well, from the very point? beginning, uh, mock turtle soup was, uh, tried to, um, do yeah, a little of both. do a little of both. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so our shows always had like. It was like 45 minutes of short form, and then we'd do like a, a Herald or a, or awesome. a, a LeBron, LeBron or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. So it was um, it was cool, yeah, being introduced to both at the same time, uh-huh. you know. And, and, and eventually people would like gravitate towards one or the other, you mm-hmm. know, and do and like do more of one or the other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember thinking at the time, I was like, man, this is so much fun. I'm doing, I think I'm doing good. I think I'm doing good. <laughs> but there's a videotape of like our first show ever. Oh. And, <laughs> I uh, watch that now is like the worst. Yeah, I can't imagine. We've all had that happen though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not saying the show itself was bad because there were definitely like some fun scenes. But just looking at myself, I was like, yeah. "What the fuck am what I doing? doing? Yeah. yeah, I'm like such a weirdo up there, like, <laughs> like overacting and like mm-hmm. not being clear with my words yeah. and like mm-hmm. mumbling to my, you know, like mumbling my lines. Doing, I'm still doing amazing British accents. <laughs> <laughs> that part. <laughs> That part hasn't changed. Uh, All right, Jason, in this scene, one should be Ian McKellen. All right, there we go. All right, now. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but so, like, after that first uh, semester, at least for me, I uh, I went and um, I did like a uh, study abroad, quote unquote, in Charleston. And cool. so, at Theater Ninety Nine. No, no, no. It was uh, I was doing like architecture stuff down there. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I was like. For school stuff. School. School study abroad. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it's like... By the uh, way, the first time I ever heard you were an architect, I was like, are you serious? Jason? Underwood? You, you just don't come across like that type. <laughs> well, it's an architecture type. That's a compliment. Oh, okay. I don't... What's an architect? Like, what are they... I don't know. George Costanza? I don't know. I never really knew George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I appreciate uh, that. I don't look like... Anyway. Jason Alexander, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it's like I... Uh, His name is Jason. Oh, shit. Uh, Your name is Jason. My middle name. Oh, my God. Name. And the then the living here, room opened up, and all three of us <laughs> fell into a pit. Uh, JK, keep going. <laughs> so I guess, no, but uh, so like after that first semester, like the second, the next semester I was out of, out of, out of uh, the group kind of, I mean, I wasn't performing and then there was like the whole, all of summer. So like that whole time I was like, man, I wish I could do more of this. So I like read all these books and I was like, uh, I watched you know, whatever I could, and I kind of just soaked up cool. all this improv stuff I so could. So taking you out of the environment made you want to learn more about it, yeah. kind of, so mm-hmm. that you could come back and just be like, guys, I still, no things, you still <laughs> want me around, right? Right, I can still, uh, I won't mutter on stage, and I'll, yeah. I'll be more clear and less weird. Cool. And, uh, yeah, so I feel like I came back a little better, and um, and uh, yeah, and it's just, yeah, I haven't been reading as many books these days. Like, I mm-hmm. haven't been, like, as much of a nerd about it mm-hmm. as, I guess, I, I think could, that's a great entrance, though. If, I mean, I can definitely speak to being on a college improv team. I was, it was really just, like, the, the semi-blind leading the total blind. Yeah, At least right. in my experience. Like, we didn't have a professor or anything like that. Like, we just had people who were seniors who had more experience and some of them had had some training like workshop type Mm -hmm. training and read books and things like that. But no one had ever, you know, it's not like we were taking classes on improv. Like it, uh, so it, it's, it's cool. It's kind of like trial by fire, but the nice thing is like your audiences don't know too much about improv either. So it's like, yeah, yeah, not as hard to sell. And not that those shows aren't good, because there are times where, like, I think back on shows I did with Improbable Cause, and it just, like, I'll laugh just thinking about stuff that came up in those shows. Sure. You know, just really proud of, still really proud, and I think a lot of it had to do with just getting to know one another really well, and being able to, like, play to each other's oh, strengths. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, alright, Evan. Uh, well, mine is not nearly, like, as, as, uh... Well, basically, I'll put it to you this way. They used to have an improv group uh, in town that me and a friend of mine would go see uh, every Friday night. This was 10, 15 years ago. And I remember sitting there watching it as somebody who did mainly stage work in the area and was lucky enough to get cast in plays going, man, that is awesome. That is so cool. I could never do it, though. Mm -hmm. Never. Not in a million years. But then I got kind of – they had auditions for this group. And so I was like, well, I'll give it a shot and see what happened. And I actually got in. They accepted me. I can't even remember this, anymore. Really? It's been James so long Sibley's ago. Group? This was James Sibley's group, led by Jeff Summerall. Yeah. They used oh, to perform in the rehearsal space. Yeah, and they used to perform in the rehearsal space for the Little Theater. They would just set it up with their own little wooden stage. It was a tiny, tiny stage. It was like a six, seven-person member group. Was it Idiot hosting. Savant? I don't I know think that was so. another like older team. I know Chris White, he used to do yeah. a bunch of stuff with Jeff Summerall, had a group I think that Idiot. was the group oh, yeah. that he formed after this original group kind of fell apart. Oh, interesting. But I do remember auditioning, and I do remember them calling me either that day or the next day and asking me if I wanted to join, and then I told them no. I told them no because I was worried that it would, that I wouldn't be able to still do theater. Theater, And I was like, if I have to choose one, I gotta go with theater. I just love it too much. But then Laughingstock started doing shows at the Little Theater, and Mm -hmm. I had kind of taken a hiatus from theater because I had a kid and everything. Came back, all these people around that I didn't know, like Reed and and you, and you know, and so um, they started doing these improv shows at the Little Theater. And again, I would sit there watching it, going, "Ah, 
That was so God, fun. that looks like so much fun, but I couldn't do it. I'd be too terrified. <laughs> and uh, the uh, one of the founders of Laughing Stock, Brian Gallagher, who unfortunately is not officially in the group right now, um, just asked me to come to an open rehearsal. They used to have open rehearsals, and they were like, "Anybody who wants to come can come. Mm-hmm. If we like you, you know, yeah, we I may ask to you to do a show." A couple, I think. Yeah, yeah. you two, did, at least. and it was always fun. And like the first couple of rehearsals I went to, I did well enough to think. Man, maybe I could do this. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like you were saying, like the first show was was really rough. The first show I ever did with Laughing Stock was really rough, and not because I was necessarily bad, although I wasn't great. It was my first time doing a show. Mm-hmm. It's whatever, yeah. Um, but it was the one at the baseball stadium. Oh my had. god! Oh, like, at the Drive Stadium. Yeah. yeah. So was, this is Greenville's uh, minor league baseball team. Yes, and it was like in a little nook in the back of the stadium where they had this like open grill oh, restaurant. Oh gosh, area. that sounds like a nightmare. Well, it was like so we go and we had the time reserved and we had all these folding chairs and it was hot. And it was outdoors, and the grill's going, smoke's pouring out of the grill. At one point, you can't see us or hear us. Oh and the God. people that are there Did are just there. Did you have Mike? Were you on mics? No. Okay. No. And the people that were there were just there to eat. So we start setting up these chairs, and Brian Hosley goes, Hey, everybody, we're the Laughing Stock Kids. And you see people, like, forks halfway to their mouths going, Huh? Improv is impossible to do if the audience isn't there to watch the yeah. improv. Like, but like you like were saying, all comedy. It's yeah, like, comedy in general. Yeah, yeah you yeah, gotta yeah. go wanting to see it. Mm-hmm. You have to. But like you were saying, like when we did, we did. Uh, I managed to arrange once I'd been in the group for a few months a benefit for somebody I knew who was having some medical issues, and we did a show at the Handlebar. Okay. And I remember clearly because you just said, looking back at your first show, you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that was ever any good." Yeah. And I remember. Doing that show and then getting off stage and looking at you and going, that went great, man, right? And the look on your face was like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And like two years, and I'm usually the first person to criticize myself, but two years later, I sat down to watch the DVD and I was like, I remember this show going well. Slide in, I'm just like tears (laughs) streaming down my face because I'm just like, every once in a while you hear a chuckle from behind the camera and I'm just like, oh, this is painful. Yeah, it's the worst when you're like, I'm trying my best to like turn this show around and everything But I didn't even know it needed to be turned around. I thought I was doing great the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that self-awareness is is uh, is interesting for yeah. sure. It's, but like, what do you guys gauge as a successful show now? Like, cause it's not always like how many laughs you get. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Uh, I mean, Chicago right now is very like. Uh, inundated by there's your buddy yeah there's the buddy <laughs> getting ready to raid jason's drink again um so uh chicago is very saturated with comedy yeah. there's like people who want to do it people taking classes like all the theaters are are very different from how they used to be so i'm told yeah. so i've like read and heard and everything and now, do you find that makes the audiences harder to please because they see a lot more uh that and just harder to find an audience in general. Oh, yeah. Because, I, like, I imagine most of the audiences, they're mostly just improvisers, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the thing is, like, it's hard to find an audience of people that aren't performers just mm-hmm. because you're trying to, like, infiltrate a community that you're not really a part of. Yeah. You know, like, you guys have a great uh, opportunity in being associated with Greenville Little Theater that has this a huge mm-hmm. following and produces great shows and then you kind of get, you know, you just like essentially the resident improv, you know, we kind of are team for that theater, yeah. and so uh, uh, that that's great. Like you and and you know, not to take away from the group at all because you guys definitely have people 
or come to see your show specifically mm-hmm. and and don't have to you know stick around after the play just right. to watch your show it's not like that's uh uh it's not like they're only there because the because of the theater you right know? It's but what just, we like, have learned helps. like from doing shows at coffee underground because we've been doing shows now at coffee underground every second saturday for two three years now mm-hmm. is that that does make it harder because then you're trying to pull people in off the street who right there already right who don't know people like you have a mix of like friends and people off the street mm-hmm. and in a smaller venue with a smaller audience they're a harder audience to please mm-hmm. and that also makes it harder on you to keep the energy going right and those are way more hit or miss than sure. the little the theater shows. The little theater. Speaking of like rough shows, dude, our last, uh, what, our October show when we tried to do the video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so Evan and myself and Wofford, who's. Wofford Jones! We, uh, we did this short film, uh, Halloween Night at Lodge 20. And uh, so. <laughs> on YouTube. It's Check on it out. YouTube. Cool, cool. Halloween Night at Lodge 20. I'll, uh, I'll link to it. Yeah, yeah that'd be yeah, great. Yeah. And um, so anyway, like, we were like trying to film this thing and finish it all. In time to do, uh, in time to premiere it at one of our laughing stock shows, and uh, so we only got like, editing takes a long ass time. Ugh, so we only it. finished like the first third, and luckily it's in three chunks. You know, it's okay. three different stories. So we got the first story done. So we're like, great, we got it done, awesome. We'll just we'll just show the first one, and we get there, and um, uh, like the day of, we can't burn a DVD of it, so we don't oh, know how no. to. We don't have a DVD, and oh, we're like no. trying our best to like. Uh, we were, like, trying so hard to get it uh, finished before the deadline of the show. So, anyway, like, Wofford's like, okay, just bring your computer down. But then we're like, we don't have the cord to hook up to the projector. <laughs> oh, no. And usually it's there. It's always there. For really? Some reason. It, yeah. Of course. It's always it's there. Like Murphy's Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then that, people start showing up to, yeah. see the, to see the improv show. Mm-hmm. And, but then they stop showing up. Cause, so only, like, 12 people total. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, is the, which is the smallest audience we've ever oh. had there. Yeah. And eventually I like... I've done shows for less than Chicago. Oh, sure. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> and so, like, we get the, the, the this backup projector, and we finally hook it up. We're, we're ghetto... It's like we're ghetto... Uh, it's, it's super ghetto. We got, like, microphones <laughs> over the speakers of the computer, because we, oh. yeah, we don't have a cord to hook to the yeah. speakers. So it looks awful. So you can see the video, but the audio wasn't... Yeah, so... Oh, but, God. I mean, you could crank it up, and you could kind of hear pretty, yeah. pretty good. It's but not at this crystal. point, we're also, like, ten minutes into... Ten minutes late for starting the whole oh, show, period. Yeah. So it's people like, are just sitting here watching them fiddle with and they're like, is this, is this a skit? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, is oh, this, this a... Is <laughs> a one of those skits and we, and we were gonna do the, vi- the the video at the end, you know, so I was like, but, but we worked so hard, let's just show the video yeah. now, get it over with, and do the rest of our show. And so I'm like, here we go, everybody, I'm trying to act professional and, and get, the sh- get the show going. I'm like, here we go, this is the film, blah, 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 and I push play, and... It's uh, it's like everything is, is it's like inverted. Like the colors are inverted and also pink. Yeah, it looks bad. And oh, on no. the side, it's like uh, his. You can see his background with all the icons, just like oh, cycling no. through this nonsense. So it just looks like it's just like it just looks awful. And uh, it's like there's a rave going on behind. Is this the like video. the software or something like that. I don't know what it was. Oh, I have no, no. idea. 
And so I'm just staring at this, and I'm just like, what the fuck else is going to go yeah, on? Yeah, and I think eventually I just had to go on stage, and I was like, dude, I think we've got to scrap the movie. We've got to start. These people have been here for almost 20 minutes. These 12 people. These 12 people <laughs> yeah, really so, want to see some improv. So I, uh, I, I just said... We made a we made an art film, <laughs> but, but so we paused it. We tried our and so we 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 did uh, the um, as professional a show as we could for twelve people. Yeah, you know? and it actually it was it was okay. It went okay. We yeah. did the best we could with with what we had. And you know you can't like blame everything on an audience. You know no. either you're either you're on it or you're not that yeah. night. But it is the energy of an audience. So like for me anyway, propels me and feeds me. And I yeah. usually do better shows. Yeah. I think in front of bigger audience. Oh, of course. As we all, yeah, 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 yeah. But you want to talk about, like I told you earlier, I had kind of a nightmare gig story for us oh, yeah. that you weren't involved in and be glad you weren't. Um, and this is like something that our listeners may have heard before. I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but your listeners may not have. And, okay. you know, this was like the worst. It was about two or three years ago. Um, the, we were, the, again, the guy that used to be in our group, Brian, and we were really into trying to make it a business at that point. We decided we're, we've got our core group, we're going to make a corporation, we're going to go out there and do corporate gigs and whatever yeah. gig we can get, make some yeah. money off of it. And he had landed us a spot in this July 4th festival in Greer. So we're all excited about it. And now this was also the, the time frame where uh, we were wearing our matching laughing stock improv shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Does every group have yeah, to go yeah, through yeah, that phase? Yeah. Yes, they do. Yes, yes. they do. And so, like, we get there, and uh, it's broad daylight, it's outdoors, and we're driving around, and every time we pass, like, these little, like, tiny little, like, 50, 60-person amphitheater-type stages, like, arena-type stages. I'm like, oh, that's got to be where we're performing. So they're just taking us backstage so they can show us the stage and everything. And then we drive past one small stage, and I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe that's not us. us. And then we get to another one, and I'm like, oh, that's that's got to be us, right? Right, guys? That's totally got to be us. Drive past that stage, come around the corner, and there's this huge, oh, built no. stage for these like southern rock bands that are playing oh, and we had told God. we were going to be in between bands i wasn't sure what that meant oh no and so i'm like no. well that's a that's the main stage they're not going to have us on the main <laughs> stage not to mention the fact that it was july 4th in greer south carolina so the audience Boiling that was there hot. which was a big audience was sitting like 100 feet back from the main stage mm. to get shade oh, under the trees yeah. so like we pull around and i'm like that's not we're not going to be on that. They just we're just going somewhere else. It's got to be one of these smaller amphitheater stages. We're a sideshow. We're not the main attraction. And so, like, we get there we're in the and Bonnaroo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We're 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 the stage that the Melvins perform on. <laughs> so um, we get back there, and the woman that contacted us, uh, who put the whole thing together, was like, "Okay, well, you guys are going to be on the main stage after this band finishes." And we're like, "What?" We're going to be on this massive stage where no one can see us. She's like, well, you'll have mics. And I was like, oh, great. That solves everything. And so we're all starting to get really nervous because you can just feel the seeds of doom are growing. (laughs) And I remember, like, going out there and being on the stairs, getting ready to take the stage. Nobody can see us. There's a small group of people at the very, you know, lip of the stage. But, like, most of those were our friends and supporters Mm -hmm. and 
So I'm just like, oh god, and here we are in our like matching T-shirts, and uh. and we're getting re- the band finishes, and the people that weren't even that enthusiastic about the band. So I'm just like, what are they gonna think about us? Oh, and right before we go up the stairs, name. right before we go up the stairs, the woman turns to us and goes, "All right, now I got a lot riding on this." No, <laughs> no, you're kidding! I swear to God, that's what she said. And so oh, we're like, god. "Son of a bitch!" And so then we're like, hey, everybody, we're the Lavin's Dog. And so we get up there and start doing our show. And okay, I'm trying to make the best of it I can. I think we are entertainment between bands. As in, a band is going to finish their set, take all their shit off stage, we are going to perform, and then we leave the stage, and then the next band sets up. No, we start to learn through the course of the show that we're filler. For the other band to set up. Because at one point in the middle of a game, their drummer starts testing his kit. Stop. Stop. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And on our last game, we ended up having to cut a game because we're going a little too long, thank God. And on our last game, only one of us was able to speak because it was a pop-up book game where everybody else on stage freezes and can't speak. So only Jason one person. Does, Jason does Jason such a good job with those. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's definitely his specialty. Yeah, but it was so Reed fun. this time, and Reed does a good job too. But yeah, he's the only person. That that- <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Reed. You're great. <laughs> well, so he's the only person that can talk. We're all trying to stay in character, and really just praying it ends soon. Mm-hmm. Because at this mm-hmm. point, we're like five games in. None of them have gone very well. And all imagine. of a sudden, in the middle of Reed telling this story, we hear, You suck! Oh, no! <laughs> and we all just got, no, kind of frozen, no. like, kind of, my eyes turned. And there's this biker dude with, like, tats <laughs> and, like, a leather vest, like, at the lip of the stage, arms folded. And Reed kind of looks at him and he goes, Get off the stage! Like that. And then, oh. you know, crosses his arms again. And Reed actually made oh. a joke out of it. He said something about it being his dad or something like that. But then we were just like, my dad fin- hates when I read books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we finished the set. We were just like, thanks everybody, goodbye. And like we left that stage so fast. There were clouds of smoke in the form of sure. all our individual bodies right, right, left right, hanging right, in the air. Right. Yeah. Oh and we were gosh. just like, and I remember Brian even trying to be optimistic. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, guys. I don't think it went that bad. I think it went pretty oh. well. We're all Everyone like, else you're like, delusional. Shut your fucking pie hole. <laughs> we are never doing this again. He's like, I think I want to talk to him about next year. I was like, you talk to him about next year. <laughs> you flying solo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a total nightmare. Oh, there was awful. nothing in our favor. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Furman, uh, while I was in Improbable Cause, we did a show once at, like, Furman's Student Activities Board does a bunch of, like, carnivals throughout the year. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's just, like, a thing they do because it's easy and they can just rent mm-hmm. a bunch of rides and... Uh, booths and things like that. Yeah. So they asked us if we wanted to perform at one. I think we had a member of the activities board in the group at the it's time. Like, can we just agree that we've all learned outdoors? No good. Improv. No good. Is not for outdoors. <laughs> not in the like traditional setup anyway. No. So we're like trying to do a show, and it goes. It's like both of those thing, things combined. It was like. We were outside. No one was there to see a show. Right. We were just there to like get free funnel cakes yeah. and ride those one of those swings. Like, yeah. and so we we're just trying so hard. And like, this was like, <laughs> can we get a suggestion from the audience? And it's always, do you have funnel cake? Yeah, it's like, well, it was a Renaissance fair theme carnival. Oh God! So we we're trying to do like Ren fair theme games <laughs> and stuff like that. It was 
awful. Afterwards, <laughs> contrary to Brian's reaction, everyone was just like, yes, yeah, so we're never fucking doing that again. <laughs> and you got heckled was... too. Get off thine stage! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ye shall be beheaded! They were throwing uh, turkey legs at us. <laughs> Can uh, I get a suggestion from the audience? Bodices! Yeah, it, it was <laughs> awful. So... I don't know. feel like stuff like that really makes you appreciate like the good. Oh yeah, the good shows the good gigs, when yeah, it really yeah, you know yeah. get big crowds that yeah. are just in a super satisfying. enthusiastic and yeah and I, and I I've, I've tried trying my whole improv quote unquote career because I really didn't have much training at all if any before I started doing it in front of people so it's been a huge learning curve to a certain extent and I know what mistakes I used to make and what stuff I still need to work on. But what I've gotten better about is not feeling like it's the end of the world when a show doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. And mainly because of things like that. I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, this didn't go well for me. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't the Greer July 4th festival. (laughs) Every improviser should have like a rock bottom show. Yeah. They should just have like a, they should just go through a terrible, (laughs) just like, they should go to a festival and try and do that. Yeah. And just know, okay. And just power through it. And the whole thing is, it's like we were talking about you with the pee-pee leg. Mm -hmm. Like you never thought about not doing the show. You were just like. Well, I'm gonna go on. No, yeah. I'm just I gonna just go on. Pee leg. Yeah. leg. What's what are some? Okay, we've talked a lot about bad yeah. improv experiences. What would you guys uh, individually say were like your most satisfying moment as an improviser? Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily like the time when the audience went the most nuts. Right. Like, right. Just, like sure. it can be a show or like a. a a scene in a show or whatever. Maybe even at a rehearsal. Sure. Did that count? Sure. I think for me, uh, I've gotten, I, when I, for a while, like, I've, yeah, I've, I've learned, you know, okay, on stage in shows, I've learned how to kind of be uh, pretty good at that. But like as a host, I was always kind of rough, you mm-hmm. know, and I would try to host and it would be awful. And one time, one time Caroline, uh, after a show, just. <laughs> Caroline Davis, love you. Yeah. She just Shout sat out. me. Yeah. She sat me down and was like. And we were both a little, a little had a couple of drinks, and she was like, "Let me tell you, you're <laughs> terrible at hosting." <laughs> I can totally see her calling you out for that. I get so angry watching you host, Jason. The funny <laughs> thing about like, and I, I shouldn't say this because then you guys will probably grill me. <laughs> the funny thing is that like Caroline Davis was, is, you know, one of my very close friends was on our Furman Improv team. While she was on Laughing Stock yes. with mm. Jason and Evan, and that was like one of the things that really brought the groups uh, together yep. while while both of us were here. Um, uh, and she told, like, she used to talk to me very openly about like people in the group and <laughs> sure, things sure. that were going on in rehearsals and shows. Like, as a matter of fact, I think she might have told me about that Greer Fourth of July. Oh, she was there. Thing. Oh. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure I've heard that story before, but it definitely bears repeating. Oh. So it's really funny. Like, she would, like, good and bad. Like, yeah. oh, we did the best thing. Yeah. And like, oh, my God, Jason's so fucking terrible at hosting. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, what I, what I love about Jason, though, and this is the thing, especially when we do, like, the, the little theater shows, because for a while there, Reed Halverson uh, was, was hosting all those shows, and he's big energy. Yeah. And we would always start our shows with these, like, because we had the stage, we had the theater, so they've got lights and sound, and we would always use that. Let's get it started from uh, from Black, uh, Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas and big energy song, and the song would come to a crescendo, and the lights would come up, and Reed literally would like leap onto the stage and jump around. They're like, hey, everybody, ah! 
But we still do that, and Jason's much, much better at hosting, by the way. I've gotten better. At this much, point. much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still funny to me that it's just like, boom, everybody, boom, everybody, lights and everything, and then here comes Jason like, what's up? Because <laughs> he's a very laid-back yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, I don't jump so, on the so stage. Awesome. No. What's up? Hey, um, you can't want watch the show. <laughs> no, no, it's not a bit. Uh, but so after, like, after, yeah, Caroline, like, pointed out all the uh, faults I had. <laughs> Thank you, Caroline. In a very, in a very nice yeah, way. I'm sure she did in a very loving it. manner. She was like, you're, the, you're, you're great, but this, let me just, for real, let me just tell you this is, you know. Uh, and so after that, I was like, man, I should really try and get better at this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I feel like I've, I've, I've jumped leaps and bounds. You have, you have. And, uh, and so in alchemy, there we do like this thing called dual duel, where you where um, it's like just short form competition, a head to head kind of stuff. Two teams of two. Yeah, they and, do a um, dual duel at comedy sports in Chicago. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, yeah, everybody. Does. Everybody, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> but um, but so, I, I take I take great pride in like okay, like hosting that show and. Uh, in my own way as the host trying to make it better, you know, like mm-hmm. knowing when to cut off games and knowing yeah, yeah. when to like, when an yeah. audience is like being weird, how to like get them back and get them mm-hmm. involved again. And uh-huh. like having that power is like, uh, I was like, I, I like, I enjoy that aspect of improv these mm-hmm. days, like hosting and trying to like cool. the show as a whole. And, yeah. and whenever I feel like I've, I've uh, guided a show to success in my own way as a host is, uh, is very cool. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. a, that's a great answer. Uh, yeah. that Reagan Reagan, my, uh, team with one group mine in Chicago when we started doing weekly Wednesday shows a couple months ago we've been like booking our own openers and introducing everybody and like it's long form so it's not as much heavy listing heavy listing heavy lifting host wise um, but you know it's still we kind of had to take ownership of the show kind of like what you're saying and mm. it, it does feel really satisfying to successfully pull that off yeah. and it feels terrible to feel like you didn't pull it off <laughs> well, right, you, right. I've hosted before too and, and if you're not feeling like you're doing a great job now you feel like you're putting pressure on your partners to try and like because mm-hmm. the host doesn't necessarily have to be funny mm-hmm. but you got to be engaging the audience mm-hmm. has to be listening to you you have to be able to explain things succinctly and not ramble on mm-hmm. and, and you got to like Set up the games right, close the scene at the right time. Right, yeah, so that yeah, yeah. It's the next up. game, they're not trying to build back into it if uh-huh. they had the audience and then lost them. Yeah, absolutely. It can be tough. It's, absolutely. It's, it's, it's an underrated position. Mm-hmm. But, like, we don't have hosts for the whole nights anymore. We used to get one host outside the group to host the whole show. Oh, yeah, And now yeah. we just take yeah, like turns J-Doo or something. Like hosting games. Oh. Yeah, who's a <laughs> great host. He's a great host. I love that dude. Uh, does he still do all this stuff for the drive? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He's like, the kind of like the face of the Greenville drive. He's the face and the voice. Like, every time yeah. I'm outside the stadium, I can hear his voice like, and so-and-so just made a home run into the stand. He's you great. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? What do you think? Um, I don't know. It's hard to think a proudest moment, mainly because I felt like I had the most, especially as far as laughing stock is concerned, I had the most growing to do because I hadn't been doing it before and I didn't have really any training, and a lot of people had come in had either been doing improv for years or had training and then started doing it. Everybody in the group at that point had more experience than I did. So my, like, I can I could automatically think of the time that I can remember getting, like, the biggest laughs in a scene, but it was mm-hmm. an easy one. Mm. Because, like, it was the dating game, and my bachelor was supposed to be a bird hatching from an egg and growing into adulthood. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And that was easy. I didn't have to think of anything yeah, to yeah, say. It was all physical. Yeah. And it just rocked the house. And I was really proud of that. But like to me, like there was a scene we did 
just a few weeks ago in rehearsal, a couple months ago in rehearsal, actually, we were playing this game called DVD. And what I love is when the moments that I really, truly love, and you're right, they're not always the funniest moments, are the mm -hmm. moments where something just magically clicks and the person you're in the scene with knows exactly where you're about to yeah, go. Man. And you know exactly where they're about That's to go. That's the beauty. And I was playing a game with a guy in the group, Todd Jensen now, who's phenomenal. Amazing. And don't know him. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck him, fuck him, Halverson, and just for good, fuck you, Waffer Jones. Uh, no, we were doing this scene, it's this game called DVD, and I don't know, like, I don't know where, who I think brought I was, it I think, in. I think I was, like, in where, charge of that one. Yeah, right? where it's just basically uh, two guys, or two, no, it doesn't have to be guys, sorry. Yeah, thanks, Evan. <laughs> DVD's only for boys. No, but yeah, here. yeah, the whole pro the whole idea is like you do the scene, you can change it however you want. Yeah, like the host has a re an invisible remote, and they're like, "Well, let me see actor commentary, let me see director commentary, oh, cool. let me see that scene over again, or let's skip to this moment in the movie." And cool. the two people yeah. have to play all those scenes, nice. and we yeah. ended up developing a road trip movie where every time you thought something exciting was about to happen, it didn't. No, cool. Like, at one point, Todd's, like, pumping gas, and I'm smoking a cigarette next to the gas pump, and obviously the next thing that's going to happen Explosion. is the gas station's going right. to explode, but then when they cut back to the scene after it, we're just driving down the road, yeah, everything's really cool, yeah. but then, like, so when he wanted a screenwriter commentary, automatically, we, we got into these two characters where I was the guy who wrote the script who wanted all the exciting stuff to oh. happen, and he turned into the guy that said, no, 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 we gotta keep it real, so, like, all this stuff just happened That's on the cool. spot. And, like, it, it just, like, definitely one of those things you had to be there. Probably didn't help to describe no, it. No, like, <laughs> no. But, like, like we I just seemed that. to know exactly where the other person was going to the point where not only did we form this really, to me at the time, funny idea of a movie where literally nothing happens. Mm -hmm. They are literally just on a road trip. And they're not talking about anything important. Yeah. Every time you think something's about to happen, it doesn't. Yeah. And then cool. we formed these completely two other characters unrelated to the scene who had a relationship and you could t and it just all happened on the spot. Yeah. And those are the moments that I'm just like Absolutely. That was so cool. That's I don't awesome. even know if that would have been an audience favorite, but it was right. a, it was a me favorite. Yeah, man. It's fun. Like it's interesting, uh Ev first of all, the uh there's it's you, uh, <laughs> um, it's okay, Mary. Improvisers watching other improvisers are always going to have, I think, not maybe not always, but are typically going to acknowledge, like, man, that was a great move. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you're going to acknowledge, like, shop talk. You know yes. what I mean? Like, man, that move was great. Whereas, like, people just like audience members who aren't performers are going to be like, that funny thing you said yeah. was funny. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that was, a, that was a good voice. That was a good impression. Yeah, yeah. that, that uh, you know, when you came out and you had a humpback, man, yeah. it was so yeah, great. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think... I think as improvisers, we have the same favorite moments as the, like, people, the per, other performers watching the shows. Yeah. It's like, man, I was so satisfied by, like, bringing this character back. It's, yeah. You know, it's a long yeah, time. Like or just a scene. great connection. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you bring back three threads and Or it just all makes a scene sense. that has, like, the perfect beginning, middle, and end. Because, uh -huh. yeah. you know, lots of times we'll cut a game, especially since we do mostly short form, we'll cut a game at the biggest laugh moment because we yeah. want to keep the audience sure. engaged. Absolutely. But then when you have that magical moment where the best laugh moment is also the perfect the, ending to yeah, the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, you cut it at mm -hmm. the right moment for everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great moment. It's just but like... the audience the might not recognize aligned. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh... 
I think the other thing I think I was going to comment on is, uh, for me, I just, I, I, I touched on this a little bit early, like way earlier in the podcast, but like getting in, getting to where you're in a group that where everyone just fucking jives yeah. and understands yeah. where everyone's coming from. Yeah, they know like, what the other people are going to do. It's like I can I know where Mary Beth's going with this. Right. Yeah, I can... yeah, and like that I mean I definitely had that with Reagan Reagan really really strongly and we've started to get to a point in our performances where audiences will say that like they'll be like how long have you guys been together and like uh you know over 2 years now uh I joined the group after they had been established for like five or six months, but so the group as a whole has been together for two and a half years, and uh, and I've, and whenever we say that, usually the response is, "Man, you can really tell." Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. just like incredibly satisfying as someone on the team, yeah. knowing that we do know each other really well and we do like know the kinds of moves that people make, and uh, that's just that's really awesome. Well, and chemistry is just one of those things you can't fake. No, like I've we've. I've seen people come to our rehearsals who were really good, but for whatever reason, I just couldn't get in sync with them, or for somebody sure. else on the group just couldn't get in uh-huh. sync with them. So you're like, you're really great, but I could, I don't know that I could do a scene with That's you because, hard, man. like, I don't, we're not, something's not there. We definitely went through that at Furman <laughs> just because we had to, you know, in a college team, you have to audition people every year mm-hmm. to keep the group going. Yeah, so some people you're only going to work with for a couple, of like a, just a couple of months, and then yeah, mm-hmm. and then they're mm-hmm. done. Yeah, it just uh, it's really hard to make sure that the group dynamics going to work together. Yeah, yeah, but when uh, it does, it's nice. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And even it's the so even a great satisfying. group dynamic doesn't mean that every show is going to be good. My biggest fear about improv, and I've gotten better about this now, is like I don't want our show if it's a bad show. To be like somebody walking in off the street, going, "Hmm, I wonder what this improv thing right. is." See it, and then be like, <laughs> no. "Oh, I'm never watching that again." Right. And then be kind of like, "No, but we don't know if it's going to be good or bad." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the, a difference between improv and say stand up, though, is that like because improv is on the spot, the audiences typically give you a little bit more of the benefit they do. of the doubt. They do. Yeah. They do, because a lot of like lowest common denominator stuff will work better in improv than it will ever work in stand-up. For sure. Because the audience is just like, well, he thought of something. Right. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, know? that's something I would never be able to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, which stand-up is, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that either. But no, no. It's, uh, yeah, that's really interesting to me. I've always thought, I've always felt like improv audiences are a little more on the side of the team they are, and they also yeah. don't like the awkwardness when a scene is not going oh, well. Oh, for sure. I mean, the audience get just as uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes it's funny. Like, when stuff goes wrong and you can acknowledge it, that can be hysterical to an audience. But uh-huh. I think generally if somebody's just up there flailing, uh-huh. they don't know what they're doing or where they're going, and the scene's crashing down around them, then the audience isn't enjoying it at all. And at least right. with that, you just end the scene and do something different. Like, yeah. I mean, if it's in stand-up, it's just you, and you're like, yeah, oh, still yeah, me. Still there. <laughs> still yeah. Still hey. material I wrote. Yeah. yeah. I saw a guy so do stand-up. I got mad respect for... Uh, Stand-ups. Yeah. Way. Oh, me too. I've done it a couple of times at Coffee Underground now, but I would never consider myself a stand-up comedian because, mm-hmm. like, it was a friendly audience, but I did see a guy one time who was doing poorly in a show, a stand-up show, and, like, he couldn't help but acknowledge it, and he finally got to the point where, like, his fifth or sixth joke <laughs> didn't land, and you could, he literally said the joke, nothing happened, and you could hear him in the mic going, Ugh. That is so... <laughs> Hard. Oh, God, that makes my stomach hurt just thinking about it. I know. Because yeah. uh, even as competitive as it can be, we always want people to succeed just because it's what? so, like, oh. 
I just remember Stephanie, my roommate, who, yeah. you know, you guys, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. Jason knows. Um, she did this little, like, one-act play recently in Chicago as a part of, like, a one-act festival. And to open the entire set of one-acts, they had this 12-year-old stand-up comedian. What? And it was, like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And uh, he was his Don't name. you guys hate it when you're in gym class? Uh, and honestly, you know- like, our favorite part. So this part that she told me about, she was just like, I can't wait for you to hear this one thing he says. And he literally says, and don't get me started on Mario. (laughs) 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 So it's all just like, it's like a little kid who has watched a bunch of stand-up and understands that there's like a structure to it. Trying to put in like jokes about his life and being a kid in it. But like Stephanie thinks that maybe his dad either like writes material for him or helps write a material. (laughs) Because he's just like, this guy, I think he's, what kind of, what is this doing for kids? He hangs out in sewers. All he does is collect coins. Is he homeless? Then then all he eats is mushrooms. What is this saying to kids? Like, it was so ridiculous. I want to see, like, I want to see, like, a 12-year-old do that, but pattern himself after the comedian he's watching. Right, like, right. Like, what is the deal and with what? Princess Toadstool? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, it, it was just so crazy. Like, yeah. it was just, and he did this, the the great, okay, so he started talking about video games, and he's like, my mama didn't used to like video games, but then she found out my controller vibrates, and <laughs> oh, she God. won't stop playing it. <laughs> and I thought that was going to be the whole joke, and I was already just like, oh, boy, <laughs> uh, <now>. you're 12. <laughs> and then he goes on, he's like, and now... Whenever I go to bed, my mom would go downstairs and play games for hours and hours. And I was just like, I'm what sweating. are you doing? And everyone in the audience doesn't know how to react. No. And, and there weren't that many people there when I went. There were something like 10 yeah, or 12 yeah. people there. And everyone's just like, huh. <laughs> 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 it's the worst. It was crazy. That's like oh. really like centimeters away from him. Like, so my dad's banging my mom last night, right? right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, it no, was no. So weird. <laughs> Oh, man, which is probably a great transition into. Uh, how do you guys feel like um, improv and your love of it in general uh, has affected your lives? Like, your, has influenced um, how, how you guys, not necessarily day-to-day, but you can think a little more broadly than that. And, and uh, outside, like, or more specifically, how do you think it's influenced you creatively? I mean, obviously, you're both improvisers, which is mm-hmm. a creative endeavor in and of itself, but you both do a lot of creative things outside of that. You both do theater. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would love to, for you guys just to speak to that. I know, uh, well, for me, I feel like, um, well, when I was a kid, I was super shy and all yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, just getting on, like, in that kind of environment and uh, having some kind of success, you know... <laughs> <laughs> as, yeah. as little as it was at the beginning. Right. Was uh was was great and uh-huh. just having, you know, like that uh camaraderie and like just, you know and since uh improv is so like, you know, everybody agrees so much mm-hmm. and like everybody's on your side, you know. Uh-huh. So that was uh that was good to have that kind of environment to to, to help me kinda I mean it, i wasn't super shy in college, but it was still like it still helped me uh sure. yeah, uh, bust out a little more and uh yeah, and just um uh, uh, and have like yeah that community that tight community to yeah. like you know always uh, always count on or whatever so that was always yeah, yeah that was good to kind of just um, 
yeah, to, to, to and, and I always, and I kind of thought I was funny, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But it's like, it's nice when people, you, you have that, acknowledge like, it. acknowledge it, and yeah, like, oh, yeah. like, oh okay, I guess I'm kind of funny, you know, yeah. like, there's proof, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that's always cool. And, um, and yeah, and it's, 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 improv is helps you, like, in weird situ like, awkward situations in real life, you Yeah, know? like, okay, this is weird, but okay, I can handle this, and. And then there's yeah. always, you're always, I feel like every once in a while it would be, like, uh, taking in those awkward moments, like, this, this character would be ridiculous, yeah. like, if, yeah. this, if this weird person showed up in an yeah, improv yeah, yeah. show. Yeah, 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 you can use that for, uh, like, real life as fodder for Absolutely. whatever, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, man. Do you, how did, do you feel like improv, uh, I mean, I guess you spoke to that a little bit. Oh, but how it, like, affects, like, other, uh, aspects. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, like, you, if you get those general, like, concepts in your head on, you know, how to do a scene and how to find a game and how to, how to come up with, uh, different concepts. I mean, like, I, these days I've been doing a lot of plays and, mm -hmm. and writing and stuff, so it's been, uh... Yeah, I mean, you've, uh, I, one of the first times I really did anything at Greenville Little Theater was the 24-hour play festival. I know you've done yeah. that at least two, every two or year, three right? times, yeah, four times. Yeah, Wofford and myself have written the last, in the last four of them, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's cool, yeah. And so it's, it's yeah, it's, it's great uh, kind of training to come, like, help you come up with ideas and figure out, and because and you've seen so many, like, improv scenes, you're like, Oh, they're doing another doctor scene. Yeah. Right, oh, it's yeah. another cop pulling over a person yeah. in a car scene. A conference room where uh, a yeah. boss has to talk to all of the employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's good in the respect you're like, okay, you, you know this concept for a play is completely just overdone. Mm -hmm. So you can mm -hmm. just avoid... Tropes. Yeah, you just avoid all these different things and you, until you find something that you feel like is a little more original. And um, That's cool. That's, yeah. a, that's a cool concept and i think it's super accurate <laughs> yeah it's true yeah so um i feel like it's helped me in that respect yeah cool yeah. um for me it's like i don't know how much it's affected my daily life a lot of stuff you said like just being confirmed that you can be funny like really funny mm -hmm. that's always a nice feeling because mm -hmm. there's almost nothing better than getting a laugh in a scripted show but when you get a laugh with something in an improv show you're like it's all me baby yeah right yeah. here that's that's but, really um, accurate in like scripted shows it's been great because it's been like, uh, when you do a lot of improv, it teaches you how to translate those things to scripted shows really well because even though the lines are written down, the choice you make can always be different. Sure. It teaches you how to listen better mm -hmm. to people you're sharing the scene with. Mm -hmm. It teaches you how to how to go with your instincts, which is not always easy to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many shows you've done, and I've done a decent amount in this area, there's always that thing there's like I don't feel like I'm living in the moment here I don't know how to get there and it does teach you that and it also teaches you that you know in a rehearsal process the wrong choice again isn't the end of the world mm -hmm. if you make a wrong choice on stage in an improv show in front of an audience of people and you survive mm -hmm. then you can be like oh well I can do this in a rehearsal with people I feel comfortable with that's yeah. a really good point yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it helps all that stuff and yeah just general confidence and general the podcast I mean yeah this podcast I mean, probably wouldn't have happened well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have, I thought I would have started mine. I wouldn't know anyone who does mine yeah. if I wasn't involved in the improv yeah. community in Chicago. And, like, some of my favorite moments from ours are the moments where we go into, like, improv territory and all of a sudden we'll read a news story and then start 
creating characters, and all of yeah, a sudden we have so a do scene. Like a role play of. Yeah, and yeah. we get it on audio, we put it online, and it's there for everybody mm. to hear, and we're really proud of it, and it was all off the top of our heads. I That's don't know great. if I'd have been able to do some of the funnier stuff we've done if it wasn't for improv. Yeah, sure. for improv training, yeah, and knowing each other and how, yeah. how like, uh, like the kind of characters you come up with, mm-hmm. the kind of, yeah, like our repertoire is. Uh, is established from all the shows we've done. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, all that stuff has come out of that. That's really, really cool. I like both of those answers a lot. I mean, I, I don't think I would have ever really worked with you guys if it hadn't been no, for improv not. being yeah. totally honest. part of all of our... I know, mean, we probably would have met you eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we did. I definitely don't think... We, we wouldn't would have liked you. Uh, well, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I am only likable <laughs> because of my improv skills and training. The only reason. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, let's. Um, then I'm gonna wrap it up. That's cool. usually my last my last question. Nice. Uh, the way that I end my uh, podcast it's is not, that it's not yippee ki motherfuckers. No, is no, it? no. Oh, right. uh, the... So you will get sued. We will. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that the way I end my podcast is. Um, a, uh, anything from a major film franchise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then all of a sudden she's like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, so thanks for listening to MBSing. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> uh, no, thank you so much for listening to MBSing. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I love Thank you. Thank you for listening to MBSing in space. No one can hear you scream. <laughs> uh, I love you both. And we I love mean you. That. Oh, I love you too. Oh. <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.